What's going on, everybody? This is AJ, your host of the Blue Dream Podcast. I just wanted to take this time to thank Deputy Frank Slope from the Pinal County Sheriff's Office for coming on and sitting down across from me and having open conversations about everything that we talked about on this episode. We talked about cannabis and DUIs. We talked about community policing. We talked about uh, militarization of law enforcement and the benefits and the misperceptions, misconceptions and all that and a myriad of topics regarding to what's going on in today's world. I want to thank uh, the Pinal County Sheriff's Office, uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb, and also Chief Deputy Matt Thomas for giving me access to an on-duty current deputy who's working and patrolling the streets and to give us firsthand knowledge about what's going on today. And again, this is, you know, particularly relevant for Arizona and Pinal County, but I just wanted to thank them for their openness and their clearly their love of freedom and allowing their people their First Amendment rights to come onto podcasts and talk. On that note, I'd also like to take this time and this opportunity to invite other law, other law enforcement agencies to come on and sit down and have this conversation. Let's bridge the gap. Let's talk about community policing. Let's talk about what's going on in your communities. Let's talk about the fentanyl crisis. Let's talk about everything that's going on in cannabis. How can responsible cannabis users survive out there in society that who don't know about, you know, the intricacies of law enforcement and don't have my background. I'd love to have those conversations. I've been shot down by a lot of East Valley agencies, but I'm really hoping to continue to try and get other agencies on board and have these conversations. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, Deputy Slope, uh, again, thank, I thank him for his time and he's wanting feedback. So if there's questions that come up, something that doesn't seem right or needs further explanation or misunderstanding, hit me up, let me know. I can go in and talk to him and I can bring him that feedback and hopefully have him back on the podcast if there's any other uh, things that need clarified. So thank you very much, everyone. I thank you for tuning in. I just want to bring you some good quality content so that we can all learn to, you know, bridge the gap and get along and live a happier life. So thank you very much, everyone. Take care. All right, he threw some things out of the car, right? We're right there. He's throwing some things out the passenger side. They're along the, uh, the wall, the slow lane wall. Cool. Perfect. I'm in it. You're in it. You're beautiful. You well, look beautiful. Well, that's a that's a bit of a stretch, but I'll take it. Deputy Frank Slope. Slope, like okay. ski slope. All right. I I always end up saying it's sloop and it's that's my fault i apologize you, i pronounce things the way i read them and that's, so that's, yeah, say, that's exactly how it looks so do me a favor just make sure you talk into the mic like that there we beautiful. go hey there we go now i can look at you and talk I'm like <laughs> beautiful this, this isn't gonna work this is first of all your your first podcast appearance first podcast ever which i appreciate and i want to thank pinal county sheriff's office for allowing you to do this because you're on duty in uniform right now i am i am 10 8 and <laughs> off on a special detail right now so the funny thing is is that and we'll get into the whole logistics of it all, but like I have sent messages to every single East Valley police agency and I've per been turned down by everybody in Pinal County, Matt Thomas, deputy chief deputy, Matt Thomas was the first one to come on. He was the second police officer I had come on. I had one come on anonymous anonymously when this very first started, <coughs> excuse me. And it's, this is exactly what I was going for. I was going for the sitting down with current police officers talking about what's going on and bridging the gap between the cannabis world and the law enforcement world. And this is like, this is my dream right here. So this is so cool. And I, I thank you for coming on. I thank Pinal County Sheriff's Office for coming on. Thank Sheriff Lamb for allowing you to come on because he's up the food chain oh, as this well. Oh, went, this went all the way up, That's all the, way awesome. up the food chain to, uh, I was like, hey, 
this is this is what I want to do. Are you cool with it? And then sergeant, lieutenant, and all the way up. So that's very cool. It's yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's and like I, my sister is a a giant cannabis user. Has okay. been for years, and she is like you, incredibly over the top pro law enforcement. I mean, she's ten years younger than me. She's awesome, just absolute awesome. But she's you know kind of anxiety and, gotcha. and stuff, and is like, look, I don't want to, I want to take all these meds. I want to. I have a way that I can do this yep. and not use alcohol and not use prescription meds and, and more, a more natural way. 100%. So, so I have, and so she, she is very similar. So when I told her I was going to be on here, she's like, Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> and I'm like, so there's someone like you, there's someone who's, you can be super pro law enforcement Amen. and a cannabis user. And it's, and, and those two can exist in the same plane. They can. And, and so, so I have that in my personal life. So when I come here, I'm really comfortable about it because she and I talk about it all the time. That's awesome. And yeah, you know, and obviously as a as a drug ignition expert, I mean, I talk about I talk about drugs all, and I say all the time, like <laughs> I love drugs. And people are like, like look, I've 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 had a whole career. I had 21 years of messing with drugs. Right. So, right. You know, just not using them, but man, I I sure play with people that use them. <laughs> so. Well, and that's and that's the thing though that's amazing to me. It's like I I used cannabis when I was a kid. You know, experimented as a teenager and all that. And then I had my back injury, and and we and I talked offline about what happened to me in my law enforcement career. I've been open and honest with my with my people, and I say my people, but the community. Um, and I also suffered a horrific back injury, and it was when I suffered that horrific back. I mean, I hadn't smoked smoked cannabis or used anything in twenty. I was military law enforcement, didn't touch it. And then when I had my back injury, I was literally completely incapacitated for five to six weeks. I was literally crying on my floor, couldn't move. I mean, it was like I had back it, it surgery was, three okay. years ago, okay. so I had, I had a micro discectomy. That's that's what I went in for. So when, yeah, so my my discs popped and they grabbed my spinal cord and I couldn't move. The pain the pain before that was mm. unbearable. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I got the like, the little scar on the bottom of my back, yep. and and so I, so I went through that same exact thing. You went through the exact was it L five S one. Yes, it's yep. the exact same thing. Yep. So that so when I that's when I uh, I got a brother who lives right down the road and he's been a stoner for twenty five years, and they were giving me so much freaking um, uh, whatever it was whatever oxy or yeah, one of those whatever yeah. it was Percodan, Percocet yep, whatever Percocet, yep. and um, it wasn't doing anything. So that's when I called my brother and was like, "Well, hey man, I've heard it works for pain. Can you help me out?" So and again, I was you know, I was no longer in law enforcement. I was just going back to school full time. And I smoked it, and then I had about a 50% reduction in pain. And then that's what led me down. And so then I had my back surgery. And then after my back surgery, I fully, fully re-herniated. So even oh. even right now, sitting here right now, I'm fully re-herniated. And I'm going through physical therapy. And I was then also in a car accident um, in August, just a few months ago. And a serious enough car accident to total all three vehicles. I was the third person rear-ended. Whoa. And that, that sent me in, in a downward sure. spiral with my back. So sure. I'm, I'm doing, and you'll see me adjusting yeah. around, but you get it. You, I, you've been, man, you've done I'm, that. I'm telling you right now, man, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't go from standing to sitting, sitting no. to standing, getting in and out of my car, putting yeah. my belt on. I mean, I was, it was, and I, mine was a, as a result of a wreck on duty wreck also. And I was, yeah. And I was d- denied, um, what happened I, when I was, uh, as a detective, I was on call out status. And then a, a Sunday morning I woke up, this is when I was still in law enforcement and my butt cheek hurt. I was like, what is going on? And it hurt really, really bad. And then I got a call out. The Coconino County Sheriff's Office got involved in a shooting. And being that I was state, we went and investigated it. And I did the drive up there. And as I'm doing the drive, I'm like, oh, my God, this is just getting worse and worse Changing and worse. Changing your seat, trying to find yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I get, I get to the scene, and then, you know, we'd rope off a scene for a quarter mile. Yeah. So 
I go sludging up there, like barely making it. My boss looks at me and I said to him, I said, you know, what happened? I said, I woke up this morning and, you know, it just had hurt. Well, so I just went about my day, went about my weeks, talked to a buddy of mine. He's like, dude, you have a, you have a back injury. You need to report it, this or that. I attempted to report it. And my boss said, well, you told me that you woke up with it like that. So it didn't happen on duty. So I kind of went back and forth with him like, well, that, I don't think that's right. And then I, you know, I called the workers comp people. They said, well, you still need to file it. So I went to go file it. And then unfortunately my, my own stupidity kicked in and that what happened to me happened and I was unable to file. I was ineligible to file. So I got nothing from oh. the department. Oh, there you go. Something already happened. Forgot my turn my phone off. <laughs> I but, turned my off. So. <laughs> that's my fault. Yeah. So I was unable to file for anything. So I had to go through all that. And so I'm still dealing with the process oh. of going through another surgery and all that. What a pain. Yeah. I, my, my PT guy said, and I had, a, I had an amazing doctor, amazing PT guy. And the doctor said, look, man, if you listen to your physical therapist, you do everything he says, you'll be fine. Yep. Cause you're young enough that you can, you, if you don't listen to him, you're going to be back on my table. And the second time's way worse than the first. And I was like, oh, uh, that's probably a good time for me to listen to someone. So it's a, it's a good time to go, man. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing with everything, but I'm going to, I'm going to listen to this guy. I'm going to be a good patient. Yep. And that's exactly what I was. Awesome. So I was and I told the doc that I said, look, man, and I, I had my surgery up in Phoenix. Okay. Doc was amazing. I mean, just a great, he looked at my, my MRI and was like, Oh yeah, you got a good one. I'm like doc, I think we have I think we have different versions of good right. because I don't feel good. And he's like, "Yep, 45 minutes, no problem. I can fix you." And he was he was so confident that I was like, "Okay." Right, right, right. You get a lot of, you get a lot of good feeling from a doctor oh, that 100%. says, "I I've seen this before. I know how to fix it. I can you you're going to be fine. Don't mess up on your end." It's <laughs> like, "Okay." You know, and I started, you know, you start going through physical therapy, yeah. you start feeling good, and then my physical therapist was like, "Hey, Right now is when you're going to hurt yourself because you're going to mm, start feeling mm, good mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you're going to want to do a pull up or you're going to want to and don't do it. And right. I remember one day I walked in the gym and I was like, I feel pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right now. And that was it. And I and I'm I'm 100 percent. I'm, you know, I'm awesome. still I'm on our SWAT team. I you know, we awesome. do all the, the SWAT tests every year and everything and no problem. So I'm lucky that I didn't have to go your route nope. of like, nope. hey, man, there's a stuff that the agency doesn't like. So I was, I was able to kind of stay on the straight and narrow and now I'm in the drop. So now that's awesome. <laughs> now it's good. I, I'm, I'm very jealous that you're like the one thing my doc told me is, is one in 20 will reherniate within 10 years. And so I was the one in 20 that reherniated within three months. And I, and I was wow. a perfect patient. I was still in the rebuilding phase, so I wasn't trying to lift anything or do anything. Yep. And then I just woke up one morning, and I just had a little bit of that butt pain. And I'm like, mm, maybe it's just post-surgery pain. The next day, it was a little worse. The next day, it was a little worse. And I called my doc, and they scheduled me for an MRI. He's like, yeah, you fully re-herniated. So instead of going straight out the back this time, yeah. now it went out to the side. So, it, oh. yeah, so it just it is what it is, but wow. I'm going through yes, the process. I, will, I had my, my left. The side of my left foot was numb. Yeah. Like yeah. I couldn't feel my pinky toe. And I was like, uh oh. And same thing. It started in my butt, mm. all the way down my leg, you know, where that, I was like, well, this is, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> you know, and I'm at work like, hey, I can't get in and out of right. my car. And when you get in and out of your car 15 or 20 times a day doing traffic stops, and every time you do it, it's like someone stabbing you in the back. I was like, this is a no go. Like, I'm not. It's not good for your physical health. It's not good for your mental health. It's not good for, it's not good for you being 100%. 
So yeah, that was my biggest thing. And and that was what kind of led towards my demise was that I was dealing with a traumatic situation that I was, that I did not deal. I I was dealing with it by not dealing with it. And then the injury happened. And then I was topping it all off with alcohol, which is, you know, the worst humanly thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you're just doubling down on that. Right. And then that's when it just, it just had spiraled out of control. And then that was the thing though, too, that what happened was, and then through physical therapy and rehab, I got it back in. But then it re So I've re-herniated three times fully. So you're just pre, uh, you're like yes. predisposed to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, legit. And again, it comes from, you know, we. I wasn't lucky enough to wear the outer vest because DPS was yeah. the way DPS was. So is. Troopers got a troop, man. <laughs> right? But, you know, so we. I wore everything on the belt. Yeah. So, and I was on SWAT as well, and I did all that, but that was later towards my career. But, yeah, I mean, I did nine years in patrol of getting it, doing the exact same thing, and you just cannot believe how, like, you got those, the, the, Double handcuff handcuffs, case on yep. the back, and I wear I wear my handcuffs up front yeah. just for that reason. Yeah. But that's yeah, you, know, you just have no idea. And I go to my I have a great chiropractor. Um, she's amazing. It's nice. up in Scottsdale. I go to her, and she's you know, I'm like this is this is what I wear. I brought my duty belt into her one day, and and she's like, "You wear this?" I'm like, "I've been wearing that for 20 years." <laughs> yeah, that, that's normal. She's like, "No wonder you're right. You know, you're a mess." And I'm like, "That's it, you know, it just and old school. I used to carry my wallet in my back yep. pocket, so you end up sitting." like that all the time and you know all those things that we did i mean we used to you know in swat back in the day we used to do full kit runs just to show how tough we were (laughs) like that's great until you realize that all that does is just beat you up and it's so all of those years of you know doing doing things because it's it's what we've always done the way we did it yep it's which of my, you know, I think every cop that hears that is like, oh, God. You but know? you've still got those crusty old guys that want to keep doing it the way that we used to do it for no apparent reason. Yep. Oh, it's 100%. And I'm, I'm very fortunate for my agency right now. And, and um, the SWAT side of things here is great. That's awesome. And it's we're not doing things that we're way more safety focused, yeah. I think, than I ever was in my career. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just it's the you know dynamic entries and stuff that stuff is except for you know high risk stuff right 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 we're not we're not running through right. houses anymore right trying to dominate Surrounding a call house. out yep so we're we're calling people out to us and we're the the command staff especially the the commander um of our SWAT team right now is really focused on why are we running into a house dope? <laughs> you know like let's let's be safe and you know i was like huh i really like that no, idea. right right you know so it's it's good that I think more and more the culture is changing to not only physical health, but, you know, there's a lot of work-life balance stuff. There's a lot more resources that are available out there that never were before, especially for for young guys. That that is exactly the stuff that I wanted to talk about because – Part of my entire thing is the mental health aspect. What took me out of the what took me out of the job was my own stupidity because of the mental health, because of the trauma that I was dealing with, and and not dealing with and it. not dealing with it. Correct. That's that's that right there is the key is that I wasn't dealing with it because my home life was shit. My relationship with my wife was shit, and my kids I didn't care about. But I was I was awesome at work. One phone call and I'm on a plane flying wherever I wanted in the state because I'm king dingling and have that power. So I wasn't doing anything to fix those issues. And what's happening now, I mean, so it's, what day is it? So it's Friday, uh, February 3rd, and we're coming off of the heels of something tragic that happened in this country in Memphis. And right now there's a lot of mistrust in police right now. And it's the sort of thing where what the public doesn't understand, though, and again, we're we're not going to talk a lot about stuff like that, but but the thing is, though, is that the public doesn't understand is that 
law enforcement doesn't get post-traumatic stress. And, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not diagnosing yeah. anything. What I'm saying is, is it, it's not post-traumatic stress. It's every day of your career to 20 to 25, 30 year career. It's not post. You didn't leave the trauma in the past. It's gonna, oh, it's, you're you're going to deal with one today. Yeah. You could be dealing with an, uh, an accident with children involved or a shooting I, that happens. I took a I took a double fatal wreck right down the road from your house just you know in December. I two, remember that two days before Christmas. Yep, I remember that. I remember and then that. I went straight from that, signed off, ate two pieces of pizza, had a call out, went to a call out that was a uh, ex police officer who um, had. Threaten their family with a gun. Family left, calls us, ends up a barricade, ends up a suicide. Um, so you're talking, now it's, by the time we get off from that, now it's Christmas Eve. And I'm going home Ugh. to my family, coming off of a double fatal slash ex-police officer suicide in one shift. And I was like, I woke up that morning, that next morning, and I was like, you know, this is... This is why guys are. This is why guys are messed up. It's this is why that like police this. officer did what he did. I, and I, I never heard anything about it. This is. The, I'll talk. I'll yeah. ask about it offline. But it's, it's the sort of thing where that's the buildup that happens. And luckily, like that next day, I had off. Spent it with my family. You know, just had. I had that great decompressed time. Yeah. I've got. A, I've got young kids in my family. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so you get. You know, you get that that time, that really good positive energy, and it really helps level you out. But if I was just sitting at home, staring at a wall with a bottle, yep. you know, boy, you could go down, you could go down a, a rabbit hole. It gets dark. Bad and fast. It gets dark real quick. So, And it takes talking about it to bring stuff like that to light. Like that's, that's the whole gist of it. it's, it's, I, I'm, Fairly positive. Now, again, I've been removed from the game for a few years now, but there's not a single police officer that wakes up in the morning and says, I want to do something terrible today. Absolutely not. Unfortunately, some get caught up and and those bad things do happen, whether it's terrible training, you know, just not critical thinking, whatever the case may be. But I do still believe in the narrative that you woke up this morning and put on your uniform because you wanted to do good in the world. 100%. You you wanted to, and again, stop me if I'm wrong along the way. No, no, no I think I think, I, I think inherently people get into this job for wanting to do something good. Yeah. And whatever it is, like, hey, I want to get drugs off the street. I want to stop, um, you know, kids from being victimized. I want to decrease domestic violence. I want to investigate fatal car crashes. Yep. I want to stop speeders so that they don't crash into innocent people. You know, whatever your, you know, your focus is. And, you know, and I'm kind of a, in, in the police world, I'm kind of weird because you don't very, get very many people that are like, hey, I really love traffic. And, hey, I really love SWAT. You should like, have been a trooper. I <laughs> I know it's kind of, but you know, and, uh, I'm able to do those and mesh those two favorite yeah, parts yeah. of my career that I, I've never been able to before. Um, and that's something really great about Pinal is that they, they kind of allow you to be like, Hey, you got two specialties here. Right. You can, you can do them both, but both of those allow me to really help people, you know, whether it's, you know, we're serving high risk warrants or we're going to get a bad guy that did something bad to someone and we're giving those victims of that crime, some satisfaction in knowing, hey, the SWAT team went and got that guy that right. did something bad to you, and he's in jail now. And, or, hey, we investigated this car crash where a member of your family was, mm -hmm. whatever, injured, killed, and here's the successful prosecution of that case based on the entire traffic unit coming together and yep. saying, hey, I'm going to do the accident, hey, I'm going to do the 
the impairment potential of the human factor of it. Hey, we're going to do diagrams and we come together. But all of that is doing good. So, There's a victim involved, and that victim deserves justice. We have gone way off the rails, though. We, I didn't man, know, we're, we're high I know, to the left, man. <laughs> I, I did want you to introduce yourself, though, for those who don't know you. So I'm uh, Deputy Frank Slope. Uh, I work for the Pinal County Sheriff's Office, currently assigned to the traffic unit full-time. Uh, and I'm on the, like I said, on the part-time. We have a regional SWAT team um, where I'm both an operator and a sniper. Nice. Uh, kind of on demand. So, um, yeah, so I've got 21 years in, just went into the drop. And, and so for I'm, those who don't know, drops is a retirement plan for police officers yeah, here in Arizona. Yeah, it's a it's broadly a, putting it. It's a it's a deferred retirement. So technically, on the books, I'm retired, and I have uh, either five or seven years uh, to. Oh, they upped it to seven. They upped it to seven. So it's actually uh-huh. a, instead of a seven, it's a five and a two. Okay. So they don't let you accumulate that for a full seven. I was going to say do, that'd be a lot more money. Oh, I know, and I think that's why they did that. Is they were like, eh, that's going to be a lot of that's a lot of money. <laughs> Let's let's pull that back a little bit. Um, so, but they they passed that last year. Okay. So I have, I have that. So I have up to seven years to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Gotcha. Because I'm still having fun. I hear a little bit of an accent though. Oh, it's a little bit. So where are you from originally? I'm originally from New York. Okay. So I grew up on Long Island. Okay. Um, and then went to Maine, did my undergrad, and then came out here. Okay. So what brought you to Arizona? Um, me asking. Family. Okay. Yeah, family was out here, uh, and I came out here in 2000. So job market was mm. awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you could go to any police department. Um, actually, I went to school to be a game warden. Okay. So um, I'm kind of, a, kind of an outdoor guy. Okay. So went to school to be a game warden, realized during my internship that they don't pay game wardens. Right. Anything. I mean, they pay game wardens nothing. Those guys have the best job in the world. Agreed. But, man, good grief, they don't make any money. I think they make 40000 a year, 42000 yeah. a year, if yeah. they're not at the biologist level. I know yeah. the biologist level makes a little bit, a little bit more. But they're not, yeah, it's, uh, and, and a little bit more is like, oh, now you're making 45000 yeah. oh, oh, yay. You know, it's just, it's, it. but and what a great job. Agreed. You're going to talk about like natural resource management yeah. and everything that goes along with that is awesome. But man, they don't, they don't make two nickels. No. So I decided <clears throat> that, Maybe a traditional law enforcement, maybe something a little bit higher paying, um, but still in that law enforcement realm. Um, and I don't, I don't come from a family of cops. I have no law enforcement. It just, but I, my dad's a commercial fisherman. Okay, um, still is seventy six, works every day. He's an animal, wow. absolute animal. <clears throat> but um, I, I dealt with a lot of of natural resource management with him because he was, you know, checked by by you know the either the Marine Bureau or the in New York, we have the Department of Environmental okay. Conservation, DEC. Um, so you'd be checked by DEC, which is uh, has marine resource management gotcha. and all that stuff. So so I saw that. I was like, that's a cool job. You get to drive around a boat. Right. You you know, you get to talk to fishermen and check hunters. And oh, that's great. And then I realized how much they make. And I was like, man, I could, I could talk to hunters all I want on my off time. <laughs> Still make some money. Let's keep that as a hobby. Yes. Let's not do that as a job. Yeah, no, I, I knew a game warden. I think he's with MCSO now. But, yeah, I mean, that was like his inventory of tools was amazing. He had, I mean, here in Arizona, is he his, had. A, is his nickname Haas? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Geoff? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Haas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that guy. I was a Mesa police explorer with him. Wow. Yeah, I was a Mesa police explorer with him back when I was 14 years old. Yep. Yeah, so, so he left MCSO Okay. because okay. we worked there together in the Lake Patrol Division. Oh, okay. Um, I worked. So you worked for MCSO before? Uh, yes. Oh, gotcha, yep. gotcha. Yeah, and then, and then lateral to Pinal. Um, so we, gotcha. I was in Lake Patrol when he was 
Game of Fish. Oh, okay. All and right. then he lateraled straight into the Lake Patrol division. Gotcha. And then he left MCSO, and he is now in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, doing something not at, out of law enforcement now. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so oh, I've I've known him for for years. Yeah. That guy. That guy's got good stories, man. Yeah, he does. And that's the thing he was telling me about. Like, I mean, he's got a jet boat, and he's got John boats, and he's got ATVs and side by sides all in his inventory. I mean, it's got one game warden for four counties. <clears throat> yep, and it's whatever whatever he wants to do that yeah. day. Yeah. Yep. Like, hey, I'm going to go four wheel. Hey, I'm going to grab my ATV. Hey, I'm you know, hey, I'm going to go check people at fishing in Mesa at you know at some pond. I mean, it's he. Yeah. So those game again, game wardens do cool stuff. Here's a question for you. I have I I fish locally just with my son. We yeah. just go to the parks and all that. And so this is something that I did I didn't even know how to answer. So I'm whenever I'm asked, I do immediately show my fishing license and all that. My question is is because you obviously have a background in this and an understanding, what gives the game and fish guys the authority to just come up and ask you that question? So like take for instance with a driver's license, you have the admin per se. I get it. You have or the implied consent. You have agreed by signing this driver's license, you're agreeing to certain tests. So what gives the game wardens that? And again, I'm not arguing. I'm just curious. What I would, the, and I don't know 100%, okay. but I would imagine if you are in the act of fishing and or hunting, if you are in that activity that is regulated by law, that that was that in order to be in compliance with that, that you'd have to have a license. So that would just be the binding agreement by getting that license. It's it's like the implied consent. Yes. You've, you, you're getting yep. a license. You sign your license. You and, agree to this. Yep. And I, I, I believe that that's what it is. If you're okay. going to involve, so like, I don't think he could come up and ask you if you're walking down the street, like, hey, man, let me see your driver's license. Or, right, you know, right. Because he doesn't have that. But if you are in the act of fishing or hunting, a, a act that's regulated by law. And I under Title 17. Gotcha. And yeah. every game and fish warden I've ever had. Here you go. All right, man. Have a good day. They either just want to see it real quick and they move on and they're the coolest guys on the planet. But I again it's my my question is not from an argumentative sake. Mine yeah. is a well, that's technically a detention. So that would be like sure. wouldn't they have to have reasonable so, suspicion that you don't have a license in order to detain you and ask you the question? Again, I was just from yeah. my own personal yeah, perspective. I don't, I don't know hundred percent. I am sure that right now someone's like, I know the answer to that. <laughs> and it's just, but I, that's what I would, if I, if it was my knee jerk, that's what gotcha. I would say. And it's interesting because something else that people don't know is that under Title 17, um, which is Arizona Game and Fish Law, um, any law enforcement officer right. in the state right. can check a hunting license or a fishing license. And people don't, like when I was with you know, MCSO, I worked in the Lake Patrol mm-hmm. Division, mm-hmm. we checked fishing licenses all the time for people. They were like... <laughs> How can you do that? I'm like, hey, man, the law says I can. Let me see it. Well, and it being so in a, you know, so few officers out there in the rural parts of the state, that only makes sense. That only makes sense to be, to give post-certified peace officers the authority it to do that. quadruples your force. Right. Just like, hey, now it's a force multiplier. Right. Of, hey, you have a badge and you have arrest powers. <laughs> check that guy for, check that guy's quail limit. You know, and, and again, having a background in it, I would check duck hunters all the time. Gotcha. Because I could identify those species, mm. and I'm comfortable with it's in my it's in my wheelhouse. Because I grew up as a duck hunter. Because commercial fishermen have boats, and duck hunters need boats, and so I grew up. Duck hunting was really my, the first thing that I did hunting wise, and so I'm real comfortable talking to duck hunters, knowing federal law, knowing you have gotcha. to use steel, you have to have a plug in your gun, and you know hunting hours and identifying of species and game limits and all that stuff. I'm comfortable with that. It's my right. it's in my wheelhouse. A normal cop that works no. in in the city of Gilbert. Is not going to be able to go. Hey, that's a that's a hen green wing teal, right? Or hey, that's a you know that's a Drake shoveler. They're not gonna. 
they don't know that stuff. So it's so I, you know, having that background in it made it easy for me. They can check to see if you have illegal skateboards. Yes. You know, in a Target parking lot or anything. Yeah. No, yeah just spit kidding. on the sidewalk or <laughs> jaywalked or something like that. So, yeah. So it's uh, so that's cool. It's it's one of the things that I uh, I kind of I, I dig about about Arizona is you can do everything. You know, if you're a cop anyway, because come from the East Coast, if you're a cop in one town, you can go to the next town and you're not a cop you're not a cop right now in arizona as i say if you're a cop anywhere you're a cop everywhere it makes it really easy like hey someone from flagstaff could go down and arrest someone in yuma all it is is hey this is where i cite you into right. this is the court that i but people don't understand that like hey i'm on because i used to get it all the time on I'm the sure. highway i'm sure like hey you can't pull me over you're a sheriff I'm like where are you from <laughs> right. i'm from new jersey all right let me give you a little roadside education here um if someone has a badge here, they can arrest you. The end. The end. There is no, there is no gray area. There's no well. If this, then that. Right. It's if you're in Arizona and you're a cop, you're good to go. You have state authority, and that's so. It's that's another really cool thing about Arizona. Like, hey, that's oh, you're out of your jurisdiction. Like, no, am I, am I in New Mexico? Yeah, no. no, then I'm in my jurisdiction. That's kind of how that works. And that's the one thing that people have always asked me. They've asked me about like, well, who did you work for? Because people just think it's the police they think and again this ties into the whole conversation that we were having earlier about like the bad things that have happened is that you're trained differently though than a gilbert cop then and again everything that we're talking about is mostly generalities about arizona yeah you know we're not oh. going to solve the world the country's problems oh, here no. No, no no but it's it's the sort of thing where people don't realize that like how come they didn't get trained in this or that well now again i'm five years removed so stop me if i'm along the way it used to be you'd have one or two, there was three or four regional academies everybody would go to the every district uh, jurisdiction would send their people to those regional academies i went to alia so at the time so did i what class were you you're gonna laugh your ass off okay. i was class 420 how appropriate i was 354 <laughs> okay so i was class 420 <laughs> yep yeah i know right <laughs> here you are and here i am <laughs> yep, that was, yep. isn't yep. it funny how you you remember all these years later you're like right if you just never, it's one of those things you just never forget. Now, there are now academies all over the place. Right, I've Maricopa heard this. County Sheriff's Office has one. Um, Gilbert has an academy. Mesa has an academy. Um, and then there's Aaliyah's still there. Okay. It's not called Aaliyah anymore. But state, the DPS has it runs their own now for state yep. troopers. And then we send people to NARDA, which is the Northern Arizona oh, Regional Training okay. Academy in Prescott. Um, up at Yavapai Community College up there. Um, and then there's one down, Seletsi, I think, is still a thing. Oh, my down God. South. That's been around for um, a million years. Yeah, so it's so there's, I mean, there's, there's academies everywhere now. But when I first started, I think it was Seletsi, Aaliyah, and Narda. And yeah, that yeah, was yeah. it. Yeah. From you or from somewhere in the state, you went to one of those. Three. Mesa always had their own. Oh, did they? When I, even when I was a police explorer, Mesa had their own. They had their one up there on, off of Greenfield and McKellips in that, Northeast that's Mesa. That's right. I was there yesterday okay. for graduation. I've done the fire. I've, I've repelled off of the fire tower and all that good stuff when I was on SWAT. There was a whole bunch of fire recruits up there <laughs> running running up and singing on their way up and down. I was like, oh, that looks terrible. I'm that looks like that. a terrible time. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I mean, but hey, man, if you, you know, when you're saving foundations for a living it's uh you know <laughs> that's a, you do the same job as rain i mean you gotta oh, the the, whether they get there or not the fire goes out that's it it's all that's it second responders man nice i love that and it's so in in swat um for our regional team we use guys from casa grand um as our medics tac, tac as, medics. Our, as our tac medics and man they're awesome oh yeah like uh, the they're like little brothers yeah yeah you know like i am overly protective yeah, of those guys 
But man, we make a lot of, hey, when's the chili ready jokes? I mean, a lot of them. You're in the back. You're not going in, you're in the back. Yep, you're in the back, man. Make make sure the cornbread's ready for the chili. (laughs) And so, but those guys are, I mean, they're, they're awesome. So it's, you know, there's, oh, I think in every jurisdiction, cops and firefighters. Oh, 100%. there's, There's always that little, but it's like, it's like brothers. I can say that to them. God forbid you say that you're, you know, you're, you're going to get it. But that is a huge difference though, that I've, I, 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 so when I was going, when I was a trooper and I was working nights, there was one particular accident that happened. And then the fire, it was, you know, the, the two, I'm not, I'm not explaining this to you. I'm explaining this as a whole, yeah. so I'm not patronizing you. Um, you know, the 202 is a loop and there's a Northern, there's a 101 and 202 at the Northern part and a 101 yep. and 202 Red, at Red the Southern Mountain part. And right. Yep. And the call got flip-flopped to the fire department. We were there already on scene. So the fire department was very, very late getting there. And they started about 15, 20 minutes goes by. And this guy, they start working on this guy and doing CPR. And I'm like, dude, he's been down for like 20 minutes. And again, we are not. We look at things different. Right. So when they got this, so when he's he's doing CPR on the guy, and I looked at the firefighter, says, and I kind of was being a smart ass and kind of wasn't. You know, that, that gallows humor, that yeah. dark humor. Yep. I said, oh, maybe we should have done that. And pardon my language, he looked up at me. And, and, right? He looked up at me, and he he was pissed. He goes, "Yeah, pardon my language." He goes, "Yeah, that'd have been a really good fucking idea," and then just totally ignored me after that. So that got my gears going. I said, "Well, okay, maybe I should do something about this." So I became an EMT. So that I became, I went down the EMT route, and then I was going to get onto Ranger, the helicopter. Nice. Until I, when I made it on the SWAT, you have to repel for for SWAT yeah. to become SWAT certified. Yep. My ass is not repelling out of a helicopter. It's not happening. <laughs> nope. And again, I'm friends with, was friends with a bunch of the pilots of Mesa Air. Yeah. It was way easier for me to go on a ride along with Mesa Air, with the Mesa Air uh, unit, than it was for DPS, because DPS only goes out certain times for search and rescue yeah. and all that good stuff. Yeah. So I would go up with Mesa Air, and then after I was told, hey, you have to, to, to you know, you become an EMT, then we send you to medic school, and then after medic school, you get on board with Ranger, and then you go through all the helicopter training. Um, they said the number one thing you have to do is the long line, short, short line and long line rescues. Yep. So you know this, you know, you might be coming off of a mountaintop and you're only 150 feet from the helicopter, but then that helicopter comes off the ground and now you're 8,000 feet over the ground. So I was doing a ride along with Mace Air one night. I said, hey, come to 150 feet and hover real quick. I just want to see what that looks like. So he, he does it and I look down and I go, dude, I said 150 feet. He goes, that is. I go, no, this is about 5,000 feet. Then I couldn't do it. Like, nope, there's, there's, nope, there's better men than me. So I called up our, our lead paramedic. I said, I have to pass. I can't do this. Like, I'm not going to jeopardize a mission because my ass is too scared to get out. I'm like, nope, I'm good. Nope. When I went over the railing at that, uh, that fire tower for Mesa, for the Mesa mm-hmm. fire department, I was literally completely wrapped around. Yep. And the instructor that was there, I said, listen, man, can you just hold my hand? And he just started laughing. So I held my hand and then I went over and I went down like a board, you know, I went down like, like <laughs> it was terrible. It's, that was the end of my, so I got certified on it. That was it. Though. That's it. Wasn't doing it. What's funny is I've, I did the same thing. I did mine at Glendale. Okay. Um, so I did that there. And then when I was with MCSO, I was on there. They have a, a full-time right. SWAT team, uh, TOU, the technical operations unit. Um, and we did, we did some, we have never, I have never seen in any mission anywhere. And I've been in the SWAT community since like 2010. Okay. I've, n- we have never repelled anything. It's like we do it in training, like, hey, this is super cool, like right. lock it in and, you know, do some cool SWAT stuff and go Australian up, upside <laughs> right, down right, and right, stuff. Right, right, right. Never, never. That is, that is like, it's one of those things like, oh, man, you know, the SWAT team comes in through the window, you know, in that movie. Like, yeah, 
in the movie. In the movie. Like, we are not, there is not a SWAT team right now that I know of that is coming in absent, like, probably SAU, Phoenix SAU, because those guys are, those are some high-speed dudes, they are. man. They That's, are. I got to give some credit to, to Phoenix PD, because they are, uh, we go through a CQB school yep. with them, a close quarter battle school. That's a four-day school, and it is those their instructor cadre is absolutely second to none. I mean, they are yeah. if, in this state. I don't. I don't think there's a team that they're kind of uh, like they're our our the team that we're like their little like yeah. their little brother. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so we do a ton of training. Um. Because of them, um. You know that that they enable and man, they're. God, they're awesome. Those yeah, I, guys are awesome. Phoenix SAU, I had the privilege of doing some SWAT operations with them. And then when I became a detective with DPS, I actually got uh, sent to Phoenix PD for three months on the, for their homicide squad because I became a homicide detective. But on a state level, there wasn't like homicides every single day to get the training. So uh-huh. we got to train. Oh, well, that's Phoenix. <laughs> now that you're right, right. Yo. So well, when for three months, I got stationed with them. I got to run operations with them and all that. And those guys are elite level. Those guys are 100%. Like I said, I was on DPS SWAT. Um, Phoenix PD is is elite level. And this is kind of sort of the thing, though, where we can sit here and talk war stories and all that and how cool they are. And this is the hard part that doesn't translate well to a lot of the population right now. They're like, why, why would you want that? Why would you want militarized this? Why would you want militarized that? And my comment to that is it's actually not offensive capabilities. It's defensive capabilities. And it's the sort of thing where I got shot at. Uh, uh, I was in uh, SWAT call out for up in Payson, and I was a, a negotiator. So I'm hauling up there, and Payson had an MRAP. Okay. So yeah, I, we have one. Yeah, it's nice. So I love those things. Awesome. So I so I hop up, and this is the thing, though. Like, why would we want a militarized police department? Well, right here is the reason why. I hop up in there, and so I'm trying to negotiate with this guy and get him out of the house to respond peacefully, which is Always the goal. Yeah, 100%. 100% Always of the, the time. goal. Yep. And he starts shooting at me through the little port window, you know, the little little window that's up on the top. And because he can see my head, well, that glass is six inches oh, yeah. thick. Yeah. He's shooting me with a 22, a 22 caliber rifle. Oh, well, without that, you'd be dead. I'd be, without that, I would not be sitting here right yeah. now because I didn't even know I was getting shot at because the full team had not gotten there to surround the house. All I was literally hearing was... Oh, yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And then all of a sudden it... it, it Spidered. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, I'm getting shot at right now. So that's the thing. It's like, oh, this is why we want defensive capabilities yep. and, and in law, <laughs> and military-grade equipment yep. for law enforcement missions. Yep. It is only – it's to keep us safe. I mean, I've been I've been shot at, on a, in, again, with MCSO and uh, took around into the, the Bearcat. Okay. So I'm standing there, and what a guy did was he stood in the middle of his house and just shot through the walls yeah. all yep. the way around. Well, I'm standing there. Round hits the car that I'm standing there. Well, if it was a regular car, that round Absolutely. had the possibility of coming through. Well, because I was standing next to an armored vehicle, you know, later on I was like, hey, there's a, there's a bullet hole there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, oh, it is just a little dent in that armor, but it is it is because of that, you know. And, and again, Phoenix PD uses their stuff to keep their guys safe. Yes. We, we use it to keep us safe. We're not... You know, it, it's, it is purely for our, and we're doing high risk things. And the reason that we can do them safely is because we have the appropriate equipment like advanced armor, right. helmets, rifles, armor, 
you know, Tactical armored gear, vehicles, all of that. Tons <laughs> more training than the regular police officer. I do wish, and again, this ties into the whole thing that, about my whole bridging the gap between the law enforcement community and everything else is I wish that law enforcement did go through two years of training. I wish that we had, are, are you familiar with Jocko? Jocko Willink, oh, the, yeah, the podcaster? I am a, I am yeah. a, I am a Jocko disciple. So it, and I love his breakdown of we need 80% more cops because 20% will be out on the road, 20% will be training, 20% will be doing learning this, 20% will be learning that, and then, okay, after six months, you rotate the, the ones who are freshly trained, you put them back in, yep. and then those people will come out and get their mental health checked and all that good stuff. But that takes money, that takes funding. That no takes, one wants to do this job. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about. We like, can't get, and again, Pinal County Sheriff's Office is we are, we are on an island of awesomeness. Yeah. Um, the everything about this agency right now is great. I mean, and it, and it's and coming from other agency and talking, hear that penalty, everything's great. Oh, I'm just everything's kidding. Everything's great. Um, but come and I mean, being in the the DUI community is a small community within the state mm -hmm. of Arizona. So we all talk to each other. I I talked to a, a DPS guy yesterday from way up north. Um, you'd probably know him because he's been around for a while. Um, <clears throat> but we, I taught a class yesterday with guys from Gilbert, guys from MCSO, guys from Mesa PD. Um, so we all talk right. about the morale in our agencies. Right. And, um, so it's, I know, I know, I know what's going on in the state and yep. what's going on down in, in, you know, down in Tucson and what's going on in Payson and what's going on in Sholo and up in Flagstaff and Williams, cause we all talk and, no one talks about their agencies like guys in Pinal talk about because we have a boss that I think pretty much unanimously everyone likes. And and I'm going to be honest with you. I strictly from an outside looking in did not at first Sheriff Lamb. I don't mean this anymore. Uh, I didn't like him. Really? I did not. I, and now listen, I am a, I'm a, I'm a precinct committee man in the Republican party and this is not a political talk, but my ideas are conservative, even though I use cannabis and I'm in the, the, the side of the, the other side as well. But I didn't like him at first. I didn't. I thought he I thought he he liked to see himself a lot on TV. OK, and I and I, I would but I would love to sit down and talk with him now. And then I sat down with Matt Thomas, who actually explained to me a lot about him and his mentality and how he's been a boss and been a leader for the agency and been a pillar of the community. And I'm very sorry for what has happened to him and his family recently. It's very tragic. And so, and I'm very sorry for his loss, but I didn't, I didn't like him at first because I, I just saw him as like, Oh my God, he's just always on TV. He's always on the media. He's always on this. But now I'm like, no, actually he's doing a good job of getting the message out there and his people love him. And that's uh, getting the message out is something that's important. And I learned that under Sheriff Joe who uh, I yeah, worked yeah. For, for many yeah. years. And I thought the same thing. I, you know, I was like, man, he's the same thing. He's always this, you know, conference and this news conference. Yeah, yeah. And me, 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 me. Um, but then I thought, well, he's an elected official. Right, right, so right. every four years, people need to go, what has he been doing for the last four years? Agreed. Well, if you're out there saying, hey, you know, in, in Sheriff Lamb's um, example right now, you know, border security is a big deal for him. He's he is out there. He's going down there. He's talking to people. He's on the road. He's riding with our anti-smuggling unit um, because it's his hot button topic. And then now through social media um, and through different news medias, Newsmax, Fox News, 
um, you know, local stuff like, uh, like, you know, talk radio mm -hmm. and stuff. So he's getting out there and putting this message out of, look, this is, this is what's going on. Yeah. This is, you are being snowed yeah. by the federal government who says that this is, this is not a problem. It is a problem every day. Every day, without exception, every single day, we're getting in pursuits. Yep. We're stopping load vehicles. We're uh, we have a great relationship with with Border Patrol, yep. um, which we didn't have in Maricopa County, but we have down here. So this agency and Border Patrol work great together in an attempt to stop or quell slow. or slow <laughs> or something to minutely diminish yep. um, this nonstop flow of people that are coming over. Um, and ours, our our anti-smuggling unit is those guys work. That that was my forte. I did criminal interdiction. So I did human smuggling, human trafficking, drug smuggling, and and the 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 stolens were going south, and the humans and the drugs were coming north. And that yep. was that was I from I was since I worked nights from eight p.m. to midnight. I'd sit on the eastbound I ten at the three forty seven looking for the the stolens going eastbound, yep. the stolen trucks. And then I'd flip around at midnight, and then I'd catch all the loads. So from 2010 to 2012, if if it was at night on I-10 at Riggs Road, roughly, and there was pursuits and human smuggling loads, and it was a DPS trooper out there that was causing havoc. It was you. It was me. Yeah. It was me. Yep. So that's actually how I became friends with the Mesa PD guys, because the Mesa Air Unit would always come swooping in and helping us. So, and if you look at the, uh, if you watch the my my intro clip of my podcast, there's that little pursuit snippet. Yeah. That's one of my pursuits. Oh, That's right my on. actual pursuit. But- I commend Sheriff Lamb on the fact that, and the reason why you and I are sitting here today is because you're wildly popular. So, which is crazy because I'm just like a, I'm a normal dude. <laughs> I'm just a dude. But the funny thing is, though, is that the whole reason why I reached out to you is because through Matt and all that was one of the members of a, a stoner. I love these guys. Uh, a podcaster called the Stony Bros. Um, he posted, I follow him on Facebook. He posted one of your videos and he said, I love Frank. And it was, I forget, it was very fairly recently and it was all over. It was, you were just having a very difficult time with the motorist on the side of the road. Exactly who you're talking about. I can't remember specifically which one it was, yep. but he saw that and I said, oh, I'm, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. And then from there you had, Matt had sent you my number and then we had gotten in contact and yeah. I'm very happy that it worked out. Yeah. But that's kind of the thing though, that Pinal County is doing a great job of. And then with their, I love, I absolutely positively love the uh, human smuggling, the human traffic and human smuggling, because I'm going to go off on a tangent here and I apologize, but people don't know and realize the fact that, yes, I believe in legal immigration. 100%. Absolutely. Unequivocally. 100%. Hey, we both, I'm sure. Both of our families came here as immigrants. I'm only second generation American born. Uh, so I'd be third. My grandmother, my, no, 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 no. My dad was the first. My grandmother was okay. born overseas. So I'm technically only the second generation American born. So yeah, my, my grandmother came on across the boat to Ellis Island. Yep. So I'm a hundred percent pro immigration. Absolutely. Legal immigration. Un unequivocally. And, and there is no, there's, there's no way to say that that's a bad idea. Right. It is great. It is what makes this place great. Coming from New York, we're yep. a melting pot. It's awesome like cultures coming here is great it's yes. a great way to make us more aware it's it's great for everything sneaking across the border with a backpack full of marijuana saying that you are a legal immigrant that is not cool i mean if the weed was actually decent weed we might it's, have a it's case ditch weed it's ditch weed man it's you know what it's, it is. it's terrible it's stuff. terrible it's terrible oh but it's that's that's not that's not what the program is is meant for that's no. not how 
that's not what was intended by the forefathers. No. That's that is not so that's and that's what our guys are fighting is. Our guys are fighting Godaways. Nothing has changed. Nothing. Nothing. I did this twenty years in 06. I started well, I didn't start popping loads until like two thousand nine and ten. So over over a decade, and I'm telling you right now, nothing's it's changed. Only, and if it hasn't changed, it's gotten worse. I that's the sort of thing where I just can't understand how like and again, for the people who think that this is just, you know, uh, uh, propaganda or whatever the case is, no. I'm sure that I could probably go down to the same parks. I, I ate in Juju Road. Oh, I, I, oh. Vico God, Valley. Yeah. Yep. It's all the same. Nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing has changed. And this is just, just, just bringing in the fentanyl. And that's the thing that Chief Deputy Thomas had stated. He said, look, when cannabis became legalized, they just swapped commodities and now it's fentanyl. So and that's the so sort of thing where it's 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 killing Americans. And now fentanyl is so cheap. See, that's the part that, that I don't know about. Now it's oh, fentanyl has gone down to, I mean, sub one dollar a pill. Oh my god! It's yeah. I mean, it's even five years ago it was you know ten twelve dollars a pill, and now it's just less and less and less and less and less. So now it's bodies. Now there's more money in bodies. It's it's just like you said, they're switching commodities. But now that fentanyl is so cheap that. There's just yeah you you couldn't sell fentanyl for five dollars a pill right now anywhere. It's not it's not profitable. Nope. And that was the thing though is that that the people who don't understand the fact like the immigrants coming across I feel terrible for them. Absolutely. And what they didn't realize was I just real quick I remember I, I had a load the driver fled I had a, a native Spanish speaker come and help me out and these two women were just bad mouth of me and my my fellow officer at the time he looked at me he says aj they don't like you i said okay i said i want you to translate this perfectly for me he goes what's that i said tell them that they were on their way to no doubt be forcibly raped and have be extorted and be blackmailed and be screaming and crying on the phone and for their money to just send a couple more thousand dollars and they don't realize that that that's what they're getting into yep that's it and that's but that that money doesn't run out fentanyl you sell it it's gone. Yeah. You don't get to resell that. Humans, you can, especially through the prostitution rings. So now you're making you're making money again and again and again. And that's why the the black market of that of that human smuggling is so bad. Is this is this is repeated victimization yeah. of someone who's we're both guys. We're both men that want to provide for our families. There is I 100% understand someone from a destitute country wanting to make a better life Amen. for their family. That's that's what men do. Yep. That is a that is a that is a thing that we do is provide and keep our family safe. Amen. And it is safer to go through that trek and get here to the United States. I understand the rationale behind it. There's just a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it and doing it the wrong way increases all of that threat of there being something negative that comes from it. And that's, but I, I understand the premise behind it because Agreed. Agreed. I'm a man and it's my job to protect. I protect in my current job. I just don't protect my family. I just kind of have a little bigger family. Um, but it's my job to be a protector. Right. And I, I can't blame families that want to come here no, not at and all. live in this country and work hard and provide. And I mean, it's, I, I get it. There's just just doing it the right way eliminates the possibility of someone being sex trafficked and and all of the things that are happening 
on the negative side of trying to do something good. Well, and that was the thing, though, too, that that I remember I would pull people over. I'd pull over. And for the most part here, the 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 immigrants who come here illegally, they're not going to have the high paying jobs. They're going to have the low paying jobs. And I remember I pulled over this one guy. He was coming from work. He was in his his uh, restaurant garb and he spoke very broken English. And when I started talking to him, it was very apparent that he did not have any legal paperwork to be here. And I was not immigration. So just regular law enforcement, just like you. But when I looked inside the truck, I saw mail, like U.S. Postal mail of another name. Well, this is part of the problem. I commend him for wanting to come to the country, but he was using this guy's name and social security number to get paid. So it ties into the whole human smuggling. Now you've got identity theft. So this person, you know, Joe Blow, whoever he was, now his name and social is being used by somebody else illegally. Yep. So it, I, I've said it for years. They need to line everybody up that wants to come into the country legally, make them pay the $500, not, not the $3,000 to the traffickers, fingerprint them, ID them. Here's your taxpayer ID number. Welcome to America. Uh, don't you know go be a good citizen yep yep if you if you do something bad we're going to send you back right that's it for, just give them a three year or three year or five years say hey stay out of trouble go get a job provide for your family have a nice time yep. and we but know then, who they are we know where they are yep. they just like right now the government knows who i am they know where i work they know where my money comes from they know my bank account yep. that's they know all that so requiring that from someone else coming into this country I don't feel as unreasonable. I don't think it is either. That's, you know, and that's like there's a whole thing of like the voter ID and how it, uh, I think that's crazy that people, someone's like, it is unreasonable to make someone have an identification card to vote. Like, Here's a question for you uh, regarding identification. mm -hmm. How many times do you legitimately run into somebody that has no form of identification? Um, American, Caucasian, or Hispanic? An American citizen. Um, over the age of 16, 5%. Very rarely. If that, I mean, it is because it just, we're, we're in this country of credit cards yep. and, you know, social media and we just, you know, and getting cars yep. and, and having a cell phone and all of these things. Well, you need ID for all of that. Everything. For everything. I mean, to go in and, and to go get Sudafed. <laughs> Because <laughs> your dad, yes, um, you know all of that. You need ID, yes, and none of that is considered to rent a, a to go to the library, to get a rental car, to get a try getting on a plane, try right. getting on a plane and going. I don't have any ID. Like <laughs> I bought a one way ticket and I don't have any ID. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> no, it's not. And but none of that is considered any sort of anything until you get into the political realm, right. and then it's absolutely unacceptable. Like. Like driving. If I if someone I go up to a car and it's someone our age, and they're like, "Yeah, man." Did you just assume my age? I did. <laughs> I did. Because you've got gray, like do, I've got I do, gray. I so, do. <laughs> but you know, and hey, man, I don't. Uh, I don't know my social security number. You know your social security number. You're thirty five. You're forty. You don't know your social security number. Now, nah, man, I just can't remember it. Get out of the car. <laughs> That's it. It is. Because you you just you have to have it like you've paid taxes at some point right you've you've gone to maybe you've gone to college in high school and you 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 need to know your social security number you know or hey how how old are you I'm forty six what year were you born 
<laughs> carry the I'm one. Like, yep, I'm like, carry the one. You, you, you know, it's so you asking those questions to someone that doesn't have any, uh, not having any ideas, a giant red flag. Like, Agreed. It is a 100%, you don't want me to know who you are. And now I need to know who you are. And explain that. Why? Uh, uh, you don't know who that, that person could have warrants out of, out of Phoenix for murder. They were framed. It wasn't their fault. Yep. They're wrong. Absolutely. You're, you're wrong. I'm wrong all the time. But do you see what I'm saying? That's I'm, yep. I'm playing the devil's advocate yep. on this. Like that. That's the thing that's hard. I have a difficult time sometimes with the the. I hate using the terms Republicans and Democrats. I hate using those terms. But the the progressive side of the House that says you know it's it's wrong for law enforcement. Now again, there's there's different types of contact. There's consensual contacts. There's detention detent that. Taking detention of someone, yep. seizing somebody. Yeah, detaining someone. Deta- detaining. Detaining. Jesus there we go. Christ. I knew, I knew the you. word. I knew the word. So that's the sort of thing where I'm going with that is like, so how, how do you explain to the public that like this is the law and it's not racist, it's not anything like that. It's just that this is – we have to agree as a community that there's laws and standards that we all have yeah. and it's not all ba- – I do agree I do believe that some of our old drug laws and drug policies are actually rooted in racism. I will 100% say that. And when you go back to the early beginnings of cannabis and all that good stuff, I do absolutely believe in that. But for the most part, I don't believe that laws are rooted in racism and systemic racism. I I absolutely don't. I think it's just, it is a way to maintain order. And that's all it is. And, And, you know, and I tell people all the time, driving is not a right. It's not. You don't have a right to drive. You're given the privilege to drive by the state of Arizona. But when you participate in that action that you are allowed to do, you are agreeing to certain rules. One of those rules is if you are stopped, you have to provide ID, at least in the state of Arizona. I know there's other states that, right, that right. have it this and don't. This is specific but, to Arizona. But in Arizona, 28-1595 says, hey, you have to provide ID. It it specifies what is required of an identification card. Um, you know, name. Uh, I think it's physical characteristics, date of birth. Um, you know, it's it's on there. Like there, it is. It is delineated in state law. This is what constitutes an ID. It's okay. not something that's issued by your high school. It's not a debit card. It is what is required. It's in the law. You have to provide that if you're driving. Now, if you're just walking down the street, you're not doing anything wrong. Totally different. Right. That's that's a you're talking about a consensual contact um, absent. You know, there was just a robbery down the down the road and someone's wearing green pants and a tan shirt and a black hat. And you're wearing green pants, tan shirt and a black hat. Hey, that cop's got a real good reason to talk right. to you. Um, absent that. But driving. Yeah, you you've got to you've got to provide some ID. And if you don't want to have to submit to that don't drive agreed it's a very simple don't break laws don't right. drive it's real simple like i hey i don't want to have to give you my id okay well then don't drive but i have to drive that's your choice that's a you problem now you have committed a traffic violation and now we're here having this conversation and again i i tip my hat to the Pinal county sheriff's office we do not allow people to subvert us like when when i'm on a traffic stop and someone says hey i don't want to give you my license that's not going to go good for that person 
because we are we aggressively enforce laws here. And and I like having a back and forth with someone right. that's that could, because part of my job is education. I educate people all the time, and someone might not know that they have to. Hey, man, just so you know, you are required by Arizona law to provide me identification. If someone says no to that, so I know you know you know the ATM. Oh yeah, right. Ask, tell, make. Ask, ask well, tell, make. Well, that was the ask. Now I'm telling you, right. You will. If not, when I make you, what happens is I take you into custody and I book you into our jail and then we fingerprint you and we figure out who you are. That's where that happens. That happens in jail. Right. That's not a side of the road. That's not we're going to have a conversation. You're going to talk to me about what you think the Fourth Amendment means. It's not the time. And I've and I've had online debates with this. It says, listen, that's not the time or place. You can hold your ground now. But at the same time, the courtroom with a lawyer and a judge is where that fight needs to happen. Yep. I've I've told people like, you're violating my rights. I'm like, look, this is this is very simple. We're not this we're not gonna hold a roadside courtroom. Right. This isn't this isn't roadside jury time. If I violated your rights, I promise the Pinal County Sheriff's Office will pay you. You can sue us. We will pay you. If I've done something wrong, none of that is decided as cars are whizzing by me at fifty miles an hour on the side of Gansel Road. We're not having that conversation. That's not that's not on the roadside. But if I violate your rights, all you have to do is comply. You comply with everything. Let's say I book you into jail. Perfect. All I'm doing is building your case against me. Agreed. That, Great. Agreed. If you are violating somebody's rights and you're, you've taken it to that level, absolutely. There's 100%. a recourse. 100%. Yeah. It, that recourse doesn't happen on the right. side of the road. Right. And nothing's going to happen. I, when I just road. pat you on the butt and away you go. Right. That's, that's not how this works. If I have built that case and it's time to... You know, and I, I run into people, hey, I'm I'm not high. Well, we can agree to disagree on that. <laughs> right? There's there's a whole set of, of a whole sequence of events that's gonna transpire. Some of it's gonna have to do with me reading you the admin per se affidavit or the implied consent affidavit. Um, I'm gonna draw your blood. I'm gonna send that blood to a third party that ends up being the Arizona Department of Public Safety Crime Lab. So it takes you about nineteen months to get the results it's, back. I can tell you, they're getting I'm better. Just kidding, I'm we're just about kidding. we're about three, three oh, now. That's, that's better than what it was when I was oh, on the oh, road. It's, it's gotten better. It used to be six to seven months. Yeah, it's gotten better. So, yeah, and if that comes back and, yo, know, there's n- absolutely nothing in your blood and, yo, know, and I'm, I am totally barking up the wrong tree, absolutely, then you can handle that. So on that, I, I don't want to – I want to stay on the same path, but specifically regarding the DUIs and, and cannabis. That's why I segued into yes. that. I kind of figured we were going to talk about it. So, Are you – is the Pinal County Sheriff's Office – okay, you you, do, you said you're a drug recognition expert. I am. Instructor. Okay. So, ooh, you're top dog. <laughs> so the funny thing to me is is that I'm now on – I've been on that your side, and now I'm on the other side. Yep. And – you have, and I am an open cannabis user. Again, I, you're within. It's there. Yeah, you're, it's there. You're, you're, oh, you're within it. three it's, feet. It's here. <laughs> yeah. So I don't hide that fact, but I also preach about safe and smart and all that good stuff. And so let's say you have somebody who admitted to, and I'm, and I'm for the the audience's sake, you you pull somebody over, said they smoked last night, and there you run them through your your field sobriety test, and I'm just doing total hypothetical right sure. now. You you feel as though they're impaired. Mm-hmm. Their uh, their blood test comes back that it has the metabolites in it. Is that case still going through with the Pinal County Sheriff's Office? Uh, well, it's not the Pinal County Sheriff's Office; it's the Pinal County Attorney's right. Office. Right. I apologize. Yes. Um, so, Prop Two Hundred Seven changed a lot of things. Right. Um, it's good and it's it's good and bad for, and I say both our sides because uh, it's convenient for the topic of conversation. Right. Right. Um, but it 
it requires that so before prop 207 came into effect and in arizona for clarification prop 207 is the adult recreational use yes prop. i think it's safe and safe and smart yes correct. yes so um so when prop 207 before that when marijuana was illegal if it was in your blood that met the the threshold for the arizona dui drug law which is title 20 under title 28 1381 a3 which was d what, what we just call dui drugs mm-hmm. Um, which just simply says if there is a active drug, so not a metabolite at that time, but if it was an active drug in your body, that's it. It had nothing to do with impairment. Okay. So which is so meth still falls under that. Okay. Like if you have, there's no medical now. <laughs> opposed now. Opposed to what other people said, there is no medical meth. There's like you there's, don't, there's no medical there's meth. No medical Let, meth. Let's set that up right now. <laughs> there's no throw that meth. out there. So there is medical fentanyl. Th- there is absolutely. I, I mean, it started out as a yes. long-term pain management yes. drug that has now been corrupted by illicit drug use. No, um, but there's no medical. There's meth. No medical meth. So if you have meth in your body, that's it. You're guilty of DUI drugs. Gotcha. That's it. It's it is it's very simple it's a very linear line you are it's there that's it um that line is not as linear with marijuana um because when under prop 207 it requires that the state show not only that it was there but that it was impairing the subject and that impairment is the big uh, the big thing that changed um i agree with it I do too. I, I agree with that. I, I stop people all the time that I'm like, hey man, I smell some weed in this car. <laughs> like, yeah, man, yeah, I, I use I'm you know, I, I'm recreational marijuana user. When was the last time you used? I don't know, uh probably yesterday morning. Okay. Hey man, I just want to do some tests. I'm gonna make sure you're good to go. Okay. Put them through the tests, everything's good. Cool, man. High five. You know, maybe they get a ticket for speeding, maybe right. they don't. You still um, have to take your enforcement action. Absolutely. But you pulled them over for a reason. But just saying that, hey, I smoked weed. That's not an automatic you're going to jail like it used to be. Right. I used to walk up to a car and smell weed, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. It's weird now because, like, I give people marijuana back. I'm like, here's your your, mar- your marijuana. Have a, <laughs> have a great day. Like, it's weird because it, it has changed in my career. Right, yeah. And from, like, cool, man, like, you know, marijuana arrest, easy felony. They're going to plea it down. You know, you, you stop smoking. You piss clean a little bit. You're good. Right. And now it's like, here's your, here's your bag from the dispensary, man. Like, <laughs> high five, see you later. You know, and away you go. Um, so it's, it's interesting that, uh, but, but it, Prop 207 requires that, that there be impairment. Um, Which, again, I agree with. If Just because you too. used a substance doesn't mean you are, in fact, impaired by that substance. No, no. Same thing with drinking. And I, I, I try, to, Amen. I try to, to make that correlation between drinking and marijuana. It's like, look. You can't drink a bottle of whiskey and drive down the road, right? No. You, you can't, despite so what you, you think. Right. So you also can't smoke an ounce of weed and drive down the road. <laughs> no, you cannot. It is like, these are the same thing. It's impair- impairment's impairment. And the, the tests, the, the standardized field sobriety tests are simply used to determine impairment. What what the cause of the impairment is, that's a toxicological issue. That's that's down the road. We do those tests and say impaired or not. Right. Whether you're impaired by alcohol, by fentanyl, by whippets, by cannabis, by meth, by coke, by by too much Xanax. Right. You know, if you're prescribed it, uh, you could be impaired by everything. 
in cold cough medicine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Benadryl. De- yeah, de- dextromethorphan, DXM in, you know, in Corsetin, cough and cold and... Definitely Robitussin. a DRE. Oh. <laughs> Definitely a DRE. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you know, there's all this stuff that can impair you. Um, but again, if you are prescribed Xanax because you have an anxiety issue and you are prescribed, you know, a, a quarter bar and you take a quarter bar in the morning and a quarter bar at night and you are taking it absolutely as prescribed, you're not going to have any sort of HDN. You're not going to be impaired. Right. All that's going to do is exactly. HDN is the horizontal, horizontal gaze, gaze nystagmus. Yes. The involuntary twitching of the eyes. Oh, I love it. Yes. <laughs> um, it's been a few years. And you got it. Um but, you know, that's it's not going to induce a level of impairment if taken as prescribed right. and your dose is within the therapeutic dose. Now, if you are under the um, – you have the idea that one is good and two is better. Right. That's, now, not, that's not a good thing. Now we're going to start. Now we start running into some problems. Um, I'm just making sure cameras are all still still good going. Don't think I'm ignoring you. Nope. So um, – but that's – you know, and I, I feel like marijuana is, is very much the same way. This is an ish, an, an interesting thing for me personally because I absolutely positively have smoked and then been like, I'm not impaired. And I mean that because – and I'm not saying that now I get what, my what call. duration? what duration after? So that's, that's a great question. So if my back pain is killing me and it's 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm home for the rest of the day or 4.30 or 5 by the time I've gotten home from picking up my kid um, – it take it just like a Percocet or a whatever. When you have that back thing, it takes that edge yep. off. So I might smoke half of a joint or take a two or three milligram. Um, I'm still a lightweight. I've been using for five years now, and I'm still a lightweight. So I might smoke half of a joint, and I'm like, I'm actually not impaired in any way, shape, or form. But my back pain is has been. You know, it's dull a little so bit. So the drug is still psychoactive in your Correct. body. Correct. So just because you don't feel high. Right. That, this is right. Right. This is exactly where I'm going. And that's this. so, and I run into people all the yes. time that are like, I'm not high. And their blood comes back and they're at 10 nanograms. Now, now on that note though, take your, I, this is a question is that for the people who are med- medicinal users, I, I use Every day I consume either gummies or smoke at night or whatever the case is. I consume every single day. I'm always going to have a stream of THC in my system. But again, like I haven't smoked since last night. So there's probably still some active in my system, but I'm not like, would you think that I'm impaired? We've been sitting here talking for over an hour. I'm not impaired in in, in any way, shape or form. No, but if you smoked last night, I mean, you're talking, let's see what time is it. It's probably close to noon. Yeah, it's noon. So let's say you, you smoked last night. You're in the 18 hours after. 18 hours? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Now at 6 o'clock this morning? Yeah, maybe. Because you're, you know, I mean, marijuana Marijuana is so it's so interesting. I love having this conversation with you. Um, the, the elimination of marijuana in your body isn't as predictable as it is with alcohol. Agreed. Alcohol is quick uptake. A very predictable 0.015 to 0.018% per hour. That's what your body's going to metabolize. It's predictable. It's been like that since the beginning of time. It just is what it is. The science is the, is the science it's when great. it comes to alcohol. And that's what it is. Yes. And it's so it's, I, the numbers are there. Great. Marijuana isn't like that. I mean, it goes, it goes straight up where your, you know, the, the, your nanograms per milliliter in your blood is 
like super high, like into the triple digits, the 200, 300 range. And it comes down very quickly and then kind of tapers okay. off. So within that like 45 minutes to an hour, you're I mean, real high, real, real high. And then as it starts coming down, that's where the variable comes in. Right. And it's how fast does that trickle down? And because there's habitual users and there's occasional users mm-hmm. and like if like my body wouldn't know what to do with it. I've never <laughs> smoked marijuana. I don't but I don't smoke anything. Like I don't I've never smoked a cigarette. I just I just don't inhale stuff. Like I don't hookah. I don't I've never smoked a cigar. I've never smoked a pipe. I've never smoked a cigarette. I just You're pure. I just pure don't pure as the driven I, snow. That's it. I just don't smoke stuff. Um, but my body would have no idea what to do with marijuana. So that marijuana would be in my body for a long time. Here's a question for you. All right. Have you been taught or is there any training being given to law enforcement on the endocannabinoid system? Have you ever even heard of that? I, well, as a DRE, I've heard. Of okay. It. So that's good to know though. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I don't think I, outside of, of hyper advanced classes, like being a DRE and going to stuff like, have you heard of Borkenstein? That one's new to um, me now. So Borkenstein's a, um, it's the Robert F. Borkenstein course at Indiana University. It's a master's level course. They have one that focuses on alcohol and one that focuses on drugs. Okay. Um, it is way high level stuff. Um, a lot of toxicologists go to it. Um, I've been through both of them. Okay. Um, even the, the alcohol class, which is something I feel like I'm, I'm at an expert level of knowledge. I agree. I went there and felt Dumb, really? like D U M, dumb. <laughs> I could, I. They were talking about stuff that was way outside of of what I know because it was like kind of toxicologist level. But I came out of that class so, so much more knowledgeable about how alcohol enters the body okay. and, and acts, and you know, elimination rates and all of this stuff. Um, and then the drug school is kind of like a, a very similar to a, a DRE school, okay. where you start talking about. Um, pharmacology, toxicology, um, how the drug actually enters the body, um, how it's dealing with with receptors okay. and CB1, CB2 receptors. And you have just made so many people happy, the fact that you know what that, that is, because oh, yeah. I, I have a lot of conversations with law enforcement who have absolutely no clue that there's an endocannabinoid system. So that's, I'm, I'm very impressed and very happy that this but, is at least but, being taught to somebody. Absolutely, but that's a product of... Being a drug recognition expert of being a, I became a DRE in, I think, 06. 06, okay. I became a DRE. So I've, I've been in the game for a little while. I was an instructor in 07. Um, I've taught all over the country. I've, I've spoken on on topics of both drug and alcohol impairment. Um, but, you know, I mean, you start talking to me about fraud stuff. <laughs> Understood. Like, I couldn't fingerprint anything. <laughs> you know, like, if someone steals your yard gnome, I'm not going to find it. Yeah. Like, this. I am. I've been fortunate enough to really be able to focus my career and my training and experience towards drug and alcohol impairment. So I could speak eloquently on it, but I know nothing about gang law. Yeah, I understood. Like, you know, so it's so I'm a I'm an anomaly amongst the generality of law enforcement because I I know all of this stuff, but like I don't know, you know. If, how to gimmick someone, gotcha. you know, it's, gotcha. it's so there's, so there's all these, there's all these things that I don't know. And that I'm, I'm, I'm knowingly ignorant about, 
but there's stuff that I really, really know about. And it just happens to be this. I'm kind of a one trick pony in, in this thing, but this is my trick. But so that's I, your trick. Yeah. It's my trick. It's also very important. I don't want a single impaired driver out there driving high on weed or on fentanyl or on alcohol or on whatever the case is, or the soccer moms with all of their antidepressants and, yeah. you know, being yeah. really, really. That you're right, man. <laughs> a hand, handful of Xanax and a glass of wine will. Well, I tell you, like a puddle. That that exactly. Yep. That's one of the worst DUIs that I had ever taken. Was a a woman who was on. Um, she was prescribed for fibromyalgia, and she had the largest bottles of pills that I've ever seen in my life. And that's exactly it. She was like a limp noodle. Yep. She and I like, stopped no- a bunch of those. And and the thing is, and and it's, there's a lot of correlation between that and marijuana. Is that hey, it's a especially medical marijuana. Like hey, this was, and they say prescribed. Yeah, medical it's marijuana not, it's not. is not prescribed. You don't go to Walgreens and pick up your right. weed, um, but it's a you know it's it's recommended. But people that are are recommended from a doctor, hey, THC could help you, and people that are have legitimate you have a legitimate medical issue, that's great. You don't have the right to get behind the wheel I and agree. endanger everyone in the road because you're in pain. And I understand that that's there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into that. Like you can you can really unfold that topic in, hey, I I can't be a prisoner in my own house because I'm in pain. This isn't my fault. It's you know, there's I, I understand that. And I, I it's a terrible position for someone to be in to have debilitating pain. Agreed. And have medication that has a severe impairment potential. I mean, you're talking some of those big time painkillers are Oh my God. I mean They'll put you on your back. Yes. And, but to be able to try to function and maybe hold a job or hold a family together and run errands and go grocery shopping and pick up the kids and you're in this immense amount of pain and what helps your pain, it's drugs from a category with a severe impairment potential, marijuana, where very close to use, you're dealing with a pretty severe impairment potential and you know, how do I keep my life together? And it's, I mean, there's, there's a lot into that. And that's a, that's a real long conversation to have. Um, And see, and I've, I'm on both sides of that. I'm, I'm on both sides of that because there are days I don't touch any pharmaceuticals anymore in any way, shape or form. Good. I was prescribed gabapentin and I took that stuff for three days. This is back in 2017 when my original uh, pain or when my original injury happened, I took that shit uh, I took it the first time, and I told my wife, "I'm very, even even now as a cannabis regular cannabis user. If I pick up a new strain, I'm I'm very conservative about what I use, and it it really shouldn't be like that. But I'm just a conservative person when it comes to that. Yep. I took gabapentin. I told my wife, I said, "Hey, I just took this gabapentin. I don't know what it's going to do." She said, "Okay, I'll keep an eye on you." Took one as prescribed. About thirty or forty five minutes later, we're in the kitchen, and I was helping her cook dinner, and I remember this vividly. I don't remember what I, it was a tomato or an onion. I I went to go pick something up to cut it. And I picked up a knife to cut it, and my brain, and I think I've talked about this before, could not figure out how to cut the knife and do what I wanted it to do on just gabapentin. And I was looking at my wife was sitting there, she's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't know right now. So I went and laid down. So I took it the next day. I was like, maybe that was just the first time effect. Yeah. And I, same thing. I took it the next day, and I, and I stopped immediately. I'm going, I'm, I'm never touching this shit again. Because and, that, but there's people who are taking two, three, four of those a day. Yep. There's a there's an episode of Fridays with Frank where a guy's like, "Yeah, I'm prescribed that," and I'm like, "This is gabapentin. And you're <sighs> drinking a beer and driving down the road. Like, I know what gabapentin does because I've done evals on people on right, gabapentin. Right. 
severe impairment potential. I mean, that's you couldn't operate a knife. You no, know, operate a car. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I, and people are like, "I'm fine." I'm like, "I'm," and I'm looking at you like you're not. Like, look at you. No, and it's, but you are hypersensitive to it. Yes, very like, much so. Like I am. Like when I was when I I was prescribed. I think I was prescribed Percocet. Um, for my back surgery. And I was like, I don't want to take it. Right. It's a narc. It forms a physical dependence. You know, and I'm, I'm down the DRE rabbit hole of I don't want to take anything. Um, and because I'm hypersensitive right. to it. You know, I don't, when I go out, I don't, you know, I, I drink. You know, I, I, I like whiskey like the rest of us. Um, but when I go out, you know, I'm doing elimination calculations right. in my head of, hey, I had, I had this. I drink beer when I go out. Because I know what's in it. It's not a, it can't be a heavy pour or a light right, pour. Right, right. So those are things that me, I'm in this, this is my, my career. This is my chosen specialty. Like, man, if I got a DUI, it'd be done. I mean, it'd be, yeah, it'd yeah. be done. Um, so I am, I am hypersensitive like you are of like, hey man, I'm, you know, I got a beer. Okay. 0.025. Elimination rate. Okay, so I'm getting getting done that's with water. about yep, getting done about two thirds of that beer per hour. But so. that's also just responsible. Like you don't have to necessarily know the elimination rates and what it does and all that. But I'm a just, nerd. But, right, but just just to be a responsible human being, that's like you know what? I'm not going to pound ten beers all at once. I'm going to have one. I'm going to cool off, have a drink, and that's the way I actually approach uh, cannabis use as well. I don't sit there and smoke. And again, if people want to get as stoned as they want to in their house, have them. Freak at it! I one hundred percent. Stay inside, man, party you wanna, till your yep. pants fall off. Yep, you want to bake yourself a pizza, bake yourself, sit on the couch, uh, watch Days and Confused, like do it. It's great. It's perfect. That's very that stereotypical is, just now, but yeah. See what I did there? Um, but you know that, and that's your right. Yes. That is your right in this state. I, I'm a hundred percent. I don't. I don't want to trample on anyone's rights. And I say that to people all the time. Look, it's not my job to trample. I don't trample on rights, but there's also you can't bake yourself into oblivion and then say, I want to go out and get a pizza. Right. And that's what the difference is. This is, this is the very, very difficult part for me because I have been on both sides and there are, and I've, I've read the statistics out of Colorado in the very beginning when adult use was legalized and all that, the DUI shot up and the traffic collisions also shot up. But on the other side of that, the data has shown that all of that stuff has decreased significantly. Alcohol use has dropped and all that. And I do know people who say you can't be impaired. I know a lawyer who says this too, who I respect the hell out of this guy, but I just fundamentally disagree with him on this because one, I've arrested people and two, I smoke weed. So I see both sides. I'm like, well, look, man, I'm telling you right now, there are times where I could say I'm very impaired and I should not get in a car right now. And then there's times where, like I said, where I can, you know, smoke half a joint, my back pain is killing me. It takes away the pain. And I'm like, "I'm, I'm not impaired right now. And I've actually said, I said this to Matt, and I'm going to throw it out there again. I would love to do a, a wet workshop, a smoke workshop. A green, they call it a green lab. Okay. Yep. I'd love to do a green lab oh. with Pinal County. Oh, we're going to do one. And it's, it's like, coming. It's coming. It's coming to Pinal County. We're we're going to do it. Um, the, well, let me know. I got a whole list of people that would love to so go and do it. funny my sister said the same <laughs> thing. Yeah. I just talked to her last night. I was, I was teaching DRE school last night, and we were doing a wet workshop. Because we can dose people with alcohol. And for people who don't know what a workshop is, it's where you take civilians and bring them and you give them controlled doses of alcohol to check and 
for field sobriety tests yeah. and all that for law enforcement training. Yep. And that's what it is. So we, um, the state liquor board provides liquor that they've seized. So liquors purchased or acquired from, from that. The United States government is stealing people's yes. liquor, but whatever. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> that actually is true. Yes. It's pretty, that is pretty <laughs> true. But typically a lot of that comes from underage consumption. Yes. So it's, yes. it's there. So there's criminal charges that are associated yes. with that. Um, but we, we take that and we, dose people um we keep track of the amount everything's it's not free pour everything is measured because i was a bartender before i was a um <laughs> before i was a cop so i love slinging drinks so i'm always the bartender for the wet workshops um because i kind of get, get back to my roots <laughs> a little bit um but you know we're, we're really we measure everything out and um you know their people are tested before they come in make sure they don't have any alcohol blood pressure's tested you know all that stuff so it's it's a it's a fairly controlled environment where we dose people um and i did it last night um in conjunction with maricopa county sheriff's office and gilbert pd um they're putting on a, a drug recognition expert school and we were dosing people because alcohol is a central nervous system depressant just like soma just like xanax and zoloft and you know anything that changes how you feel um those are all central nervous system depressants so they all look the same they all deal with the same receptors mm -hmm. in the body mm -hmm. they all exhibit the same signs and symptoms so someone on alcohol is the same as someone on xanax okay. at at those high doses um so we dose people and then let the dre students that are just learning the 12-step process of the full drug influence evaluation do these the full evaluation on someone under the influence so they can learn and interpret signs and symptoms of impairment just because it's from alcohol is no different than it would be from soma so um so that's what we did last night what do you say to people because again this is another side of the story that i hear because I, I read everything now on both sides is what do you say to the people that say that the DRE program, specifically the DRE program is pseudoscience. It's junk science. It's no such thing. It's built on bullshit. Like what is your literally, because I have my own response to that. And I would love to hear yours. Um, I think that it's been tested and verified. Um, it's gone through, I mean, Johns Hopkins university had a huge part of, of the development of the DRE program. Um, it's, there is, so much research since the inception of the program um, that has verified it. We did a study here years ago um, that I was a part of. Actually, uh, do you know David? Do you know Bird. him? Yep. Yep. So um, he coordinated a... He a, thinks he's the smartest person in the room. But um, anyways... Uh, you definitely know David. <laughs> um, so, no, but, yes, I but did. But that, yes. guy that guy's a... Um, He's a he's certainly a go getter and and is a DRE and a DRE mm -hmm. instructor and mm -hmm. we've spent a lot of time together um, earlier on in his career. He is like way high up in DPS right now. He is. Yeah, uh, when I left, he was a sergeant. Oh, I think he's, he's a, a captain or a major. No, no he's a yeah major, or a, a lieutenant commander, lieutenant major. commander, or lieutenant colonel, whatever. Yeah, lieutenant colonel. That's what. Gotcha. He's. Um, so his his career is like attached to a rocket. I mean, it's just he is doing everything right, um, but he's a great DRE instructor. And he had part of a DRE study where we did double blind studies at the Fourth Avenue Jail, and the Fourth okay. Avenue Jail in Maricopa County was still, um, still a thing. And we Fourth Ave is not a thing anymore. Fourth Ave is not a thing anymore. Wow. Anyways, anyways, nope, it's now, I think LBJ. They okay. moved. They moved. Oh, it, they moved it to a little bigger okay. facility. Right. I was after I left, so gotcha. I'm, I'm, I'm not aware of it either. Um, I haven't been there, but I know that they changed it. Um, but we did. We did a study, and we just had people brought into us. And we did evals on them. Okay. And we looked just by symptomology, 
on the symptomology matrix that the DRE program has. And we were like in the 90 percentile of, of being accurate. I mean, we were, I would take 90% in anything. Oh, hundred um, percent. So we not, were not a hundred, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but we were in, in the nineties of being able to totally blind, gotcha. just, just doing evaluations, going by the 12 step process, looking at the matrix, the symptomology matrix and, and being able to say, Hey, because of this, 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 and this, this is my call. Right. Um, so it's, so I've been involved in, in studies along with the studies that were happening at the national level. And it's, it's just, it's good. It's good. It's founded in science. So what's your, well, that's, that's kind of exactly it where I I'll listen to these lawyers. And again, I'm, I am 100% about criminal justice reform. I'm 100% about police reform in certain aspects. And I've listened, I, I forget specifically who these two lawyers were, but very high powered. They've got their own talk shows and all that good stuff. And I was like, well, I hear you. But at the same time, I've arrested people, and I was not a DRE, so I right. could only do the the standard roadside <laughs> stuff. Yeah, and then I would call a DRE, and then we did have a couple of great DREs that were like, "Don't even tell me, don't even tell me," and then they would do their they would do their evaluation, and then they would call on the form. I think they're on barbiturates and this or that. Yep, and they would go, "What?" Then they would ask, "What pills did you find?" I'm like, "One." You're calling yep. the right thing. You're, you're based upon your evaluation. You're stating that you think they're on central nervous system depressant, right, which is where barbiturates right. fall. Yeah, and and that was the thing though. It was like, well, you may say it's based on pseudoscience, but I saw I've seen it work, it's, and it's that's good. that's the that's the the juxtaposition of of my position. It's like I've seen both sides. I will sit and listen to. Okay, you say it's pseudoscience, and you know I. But at the same time, let's say that the person that you're doing an evaluation on was just involved in an accident where they struck and killed somebody. Well, I want you to be as thorough and as, you know, as, as we could possibly be. And this is the science we have and it's, it's working. It's great. And it's, and it works on, on both sides. So I worked a fatal down in Florence um, where truck driver hit a guy on a motorcycle, motorcycle fault, hundred percent truck driver hit him. No fault of the truck driver, like 18-wheeler truck driver. Gotcha. He's driving, motor, guy on a motorcycle, probably didn't know how to ride correctly and pretty much rode under one of the wheels <laughs> and got dead, like like real dead. DRT. Like DRT, right. Yeah. So um, Dead right there. Dead right there, yeah. Um, but I did an eval on the driver of the 18-wheeler to eliminate any any allegation that there was any impairment there. And if you would not have, that would have opened up the door for a lawsuit against you or the department as well as against the driver because okay, so he was impaired. Well, you've actually yep. saved that person down the road sure. from a possible uh, a wrongful death lawsuit right. or anything like that. From from really being victimized yeah. is really what it, what it is by some ambulance chaser who said he was impaired right. and they didn't do anything. Well, so I, and the guy was, man, the guy was super cool, super cool dude. And I was like, look, this is totally voluntary. You are not under arrest. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that no one can say that you're, that, that you have any sort of impairment from drugs or alcohol. Can I do this evaluation on you? Draw your blood, everything. Guy was like, absolutely perfect. Yep. So I do the full evaluation. I draw his blood. My, my expert opinion is that there's no impairment. Um, he had some high blood pressure issues. He's like, look, this is my prescription. I take it. I'm like, cool. All high blood pressure. You also just killed someone. So your blood pressure is going to be it's up as be, a yeah. normal response to stress. 
And we take all that into account. And um, blood came back, nothing in it. Put in, wrote my sup, sent it down range. But it's perfect because it's it, it works both ways. Yeah. And that's that's my job. Like my my job is to not just to put bad guys in jail, but is also to make sure good people don't get victimized. And there was it was the best part of being a DRE is be able to go no impairment, and then have that verified with a blood test. Right. Blood test come back. So I'm not only looking for impairment. I'm also looking for no impairment, especially when you start talking about fatals, because, you know, fatals, they get litigated, and there's a ton of liability that goes yes, involved in yes. there for everyone involved. Yes, 100%. So, um, so I thought it was cool, because I could, I could, I could save that guy from that. Um, obviously, he's got to live with the fact that he's, right. you know, and it, through absolutely no fault of his own. I mean, he's driving, he's got cameras, and, you know, he's, he's doing everything right. Someone just... Did something bad and got you know got dead, um, but I don't have to. That guy doesn't need any more stress of going. Oh my god, I'm going to get sued. Right, right, right. Well, and he might get sued. He probably absolutely. will. But it, but it's one thing that that's not a factor for him. Yep. And I mean, and I think that the reason why talking so in depth about DUIs is because everybody in the state of Arizona drives. Yes, there's people who don't have their license, but nothing is close and within walking. This isn't New York. People, dr people drive that shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, right, right? <laughs> when they're not allowed to, yeah, when they all shouldn't. Sorts of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's public transit, especially out here in Pinal County, um, which is funny because I, I, one of the radio shows calls it the land of the dirt people. And I'm like, you know. We do have yeah, water. It's kind of, I mean, a little bit. <laughs> So it's um, so it's funny. It's um, you know out here it even with the inception of Uber, which I mm -hmm. think I think Uber and Lyft, I mean they did great things for impaired driving. Agreed. Because there's just no there's even Ubers out here, like out here uh, in the land of the dirt people. In the land of the dirt people, it depends on on, on the weekends. Sometimes, sometimes, yes. Sometimes you can get one, <laughs> um, but it's but at least it's you know it's an option. It's yeah. still you know. There's still a possibility that it's available out here, and and in Santan, it's pretty it's pretty good, um, but it's you know that has really when that for again because Uber and Lyft has has come about during my during my career right right and because you know I, when I grew up you don't get in the car with strangers like now you call <laughs> them on your phone You're like yeah. hey stranger come pick me up it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing, um, but we thought it was just going to decimate impaired driving. I mean, we're like, this is it. This is this is the solution. This has this is the solution that we've been looking for. It's not enforcement. It's getting in the car with strangers and letting them drive. The the thing that you just said though is should always be the goal. It like if you're absolutely on a Friday night and a Saturday night, if Pinal County Sheriff's Office was just able to just sit in the office and do nothing, that's success. Oh, it's that is the measurement of success. That, that is success. Yep. Not responding to domestic violences or fatals or whatever the case may be. Yep. But like no enforcement action should always be the goal. Oh, it's, what, it's, it's always what we look for. Yeah. And Absolutely. That's, I will say that there's always been pushback from the higher ups in my previous career. How come you're not? It's like, well, actually, that should be the goal. It's good. Yeah. If I drive down the road, like if I can... Which doesn't happen, I think, in the history of forever. But if I could drive from on Ironwood and Gansel from US 60 all the way down to Hunt Highway and not make a single traffic stop, like people are obeying the laws. Right. That's what we want. Right now, that doesn't happen. I can't. <laughs> I can't get a mile in each direction before someone blows my doors off. Aren't you in an unmarked? Oh yeah. 
See, that's the thing, though. It helps. And, and it is the sort of thing where I, I did remember that where I had it unmarked for a very short period of time because I, I, being that I worked criminal interdiction, I said, I want a fully, fully marked patrol car. I want them to know that I was a police officer trying to pull them over. And I had the one time I had an unmarked, it was pretty sweet when people would just, and I, and I was back in a Crown Vic day, so everybody knew Crown yeah, Vic Crown was Vic. a cop car. Yeah. yeah, so this, I mean, I remember they'd blow by me. I'm going, didn't you recognize? Oh, wait, no, never mind. You, I was in an unmarked. You ne- didn't see Never me. mind, yeah. And I'm in a Charger, so I mean, it's, you know, but again, Fridays with Frank um, has has kind of blown the, the lid off of that. How did that come about? Um, live, so I, I was on Live PD. Okay. For a little bit. Okay. Um, Full disclosure, I don't watch cop shows anymore. I, you know what I mean. Yep. Having I, been done it for over a decade, I don't watch cop shows. You anymore. know what's going? It's it's funny because right. I don't. I I really I don't either. But I was I was on it. I was asked to be on it. I'm familiar with what it was. Yeah. So um, right before they stopped, they they shut Live PD down for a little while. Right before that, I had a cameraman with me. Okay. Um. So there's they were taking video. I was working out in Casa Grande. Um, just on patrols before I came to the traffic unit. Um, was the cameraman with Live PD or was this just... With Live PD. Oh, okay. Yep, okay. so it was Live PD. Um, so they were riding with, with okay. me. Gotcha. Um, and then he would, you know, video and splice it together and, gotcha. and, you know, give it to Live PD. So Live PD stopped. And so we lost that connection with the community of like, hey, we're out here enforcing laws. Like, right. this is what we're right. doing. Um, so the public information office for the sheriff's office. So sheriff's office employees that take care of all of our social media, um, except for the sheriff, he does his own social media, but, but the sheriff's office has two people that, that that's their job. Um, so they pitched it up. Hey, we're going to, we want to do something traffic related. I had just come to the traffic unit and they're like, Hey, we want, we're going to do this with Frank. So they run it up the, the chain from what I understand. It went all the way up. To the sheriff, hey, we want to do this. Sheriff's like, yep. And then they come to me and they're like, hey, we want to do this. And I was like, absolutely not. And they're like, well, the sheriff thinks it's a great idea. And I was like. So you were voluntold. So when do we start? <laughs> yeah. So, and now it's, it it started out. Um, so Sam is the cameraman. Okay. Um, he takes all the video. He does all the editing. He does everything. Like I don't, I put a little microphone on. And I go to work. And you just do your job. I do. I don't have contact. I don't. I don't video. I don't. I don't. I don't do anything. I literally just go and work. And Sam does everything. So it's funny because there is one of the like First Amendment auditor people. Okay. Like Frank destroyed evidence. Like Frank doesn't have anything. <laughs> like Frank doesn't have a camera. Frank doesn't. Frank doesn't do anything. Frank just goes out and works. And Sam and you know, the, I actually know exactly what video you're talking about. Yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. It's hilarious. It's it it's hilarious how like it something can get bent. Right. Um, so it's funny because they did a public records request mm-hmm. and like I don't I don't they didn't do a public records request on Frank. Frank doesn't have anything. Um, so it's funny cause I, from what, and I haven't watched that whole video because I just don't care. Right. I, right. I don't the, whoever that is, their, their opinion means <laughs> less than nothing to me. Um, and as a, as a practicing stoic, he doesn't even exist in my world. Like I just, I just don't value <laughs> his opinion. It. Um, I love it. So, but, but yeah, it's, you know, I Sam. so Sam does everything. Okay. Um, Sam's a, Sam's a genius. Um, cause the, he, this shit is hard. This video editing and all, and again, I do tiny, tiny little bits. I'm not on the move or doing anything like that. And it's difficult. It's he, hard stuff. He is great. That's awesome. At it. 
Um, so it, so Sam was like, all right, Hey, I'm going to do this. And, and I didn't know him at all. I didn't know him from Sam. Um, he jumps in the passenger seat. He's like, Hey, put this, you know, put this on. I'm just going to, I'm just going to video you. Just go out and do what you do. And you know, it, it's, it's weird having someone in there. Uh, it, right. Right. You know, it's just, it's just, so it's hard to get your groove in. Right, 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 right. And, right. um, so we, we rode and, you know, wrote a couple times and he took that compilation of everything and he makes a video. Um, and it's now it's online. I think it's called the pilot. Um, the one with who we call Santan Karen. Okay. So, okay. Um, so that was, that was the first one that comes out and we start getting a, a lot of really positive yeah. feedback yeah. from, from the community. Yeah. And Sam's like, Hey, I want to do it again. And then it was again. And then it was again. Is Sam was, an employee of, of Sam is an employee of the he's a civilian employee of the sheriff. Of the, okay. So. Yep. So he is um but shout yeah. out to Sam. Yep. Sam's Sam's awesome. I I uh so he has created as I say, he's created this monster. Um and it's you know, the first time I got recognized, someone's like, Hey, you're on the videos. And I was like, I am on the videos. But on that note, though, I actually commend you fully for being open. And because how many back in my day? No, you're not riding with me. I don't want you to know my last name. I don't want you to see anything. No, stay as far away from me as possible. Don't talk to the press or anything like that. And again, you, with both your number one and number two, Sheriff Lamb, obviously, everybody's seen him. And Chief Deputy Thomas, I mean, he's got his social media booming. And then you said you're you're out there in um, a public Public it's, figure. It's crazy. I mean, everything from like really good stuff to really, really bad stuff. Um, you know, death threats and, yeah. you know, detectives are working threats cases on me. And, um, you know, when it's crazy, so now I'm, I'm kind of hyper vigilant because I'm, of course. I'm a target now, you know, and, and it's so it's weird. And, you know, and just like you said, um, you know, you always know, you know, I've got my last name. So in this world, in our the law enforcement world. We even call each other by our last Correct. names. It is, it is, it's just, and it's great because you forget someone's name. It's on their vest. It's really easy. So, but you, there's a lot of, there's a ton of people, especially for other agencies. I don't know their first name. Right. I only know their last name because it's on their uniform and that's just what we call each other. So it has always been that if someone, prior to Fridays with Frank, if someone knew my first name, there was someone in my circle. There was someone who knew me right. on a first name basis, probably not a dirtbag, probably not someone I had arrested, you know, and so I was able to to separate those people. And someone came up to me and was like, hey, Frank, like, hey, you know, you know hey, remind me where I know you from. Right. You know, oh, hey, you taught a, you know, you taught a HGN school for me five years ago. Okay, cool. Cop. Got it. You go, you know, you go in the mostly good box. Cool. Now people come up to me like, hey, Frank. And I'm now I don't know. And I'm like, uh. So it's weird that people know my first name. And I, for 20 years, I was able to get away with people not knowing my first you name. You lived in obscurity for 20 years. I was, I was the gray man. Yep. That's, and, I went before I started this podcast and I started putting my face out. I, I understand completely. It's like I, I shied away from this stuff for years and years and years. I didn't want to be known. I didn't want to be seen or anything like right. that. And now this thing is created. I mean, we get. I, I'm trading actually when I leave here I'm going back to the office and sending a um, a patch and a challenge coin to Canada oh, to nice. a guy who works for um, a police department in Ontario and he's gonna send me one of his coins nice. and patches and I'm gonna send him one of mine and so I've sent stuff to Poland I've sent stuff to Belgium I've sent stuff to Denmark um, they've sent me stuff that's cool I, so it's 
it's awesome. Like it's like we're bridging this gap, not only between like citizens that have all this feedback and I take selfies with people almost every day. Like it's, it's so, and like, I'm like, I'm just a guy. Like right. I'm just a, I'm a traffic monkey. I write tickets. <laughs> I, I do the pen thing and you know what? I, I do this smoke and mirrors thing called DRE and yeah, you know, and I, I'm a sniper. I shoot really small groups and that's it. And now people, you know, I'm, I'm in a restaurant and people come up to me like, Hey, can I take a selfie with you? <laughs> you know, my, you know, my wife and I, or my husband and I, we, we sit and we watch your videos all the time. And, and it's just, it blows me away. Like I am to, to say that I'm humbled is, is a disgustingly gross understatement. I mean, I just, I can't believe, and Pinal County is the, the citizens of Pinal County are so pro the sheriff's office and they're so pro Sheriff Lamb that by proxy, they're pro me. Agreed. But, but the thing is though, too, like, and again, it's pro freedom. It's again, I run a cannabis podcast. I've, you know, you're in my home. I'm not breaking any laws. You're not, you know what I mean? It's, no. it, it's a matter of pro freedom and this is what the people have chosen. So this is the laws we're going to, we're going to follow. And this is how we're going to enforce it. You know what I mean? And it's just about, but like on the public service level though, that's, I think it's amazing. I think it's great. And I've, I, I love having conversations with officers who are open like this and, and provide the public more insight into what they do than just what you see on TV and all the, yeah. all, and you know what I mean? And in a mini series format and yep. all that type of, crap. and that's, that's something that Sam does is, you know, and it, it's funny cause you know, I'll go up to a car and the, the overwhelming vast majorities of people I stop are yes or no, sir. Right. Sorry. You know, either it's, Hey, it's a ticket here. Here's a warning. And we both go about our day. It's, it is nothing noteworthy. And then there's those people and when I see Sam smiling, I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is, you know, just those people that are overwhelmingly difficult for absolutely no reason, except like, they're just, I don't know, it, you know, they're just a terrible person. They're having a terrible day. They, they have a poor disposition. They've had poor contact with cops before. Right. And, you know, like I've, I've walked up to cars before and people shake them. Like, hey man, have you had your ass kicked by the cops before? <laughs> Because I'm not going to kick your ass today. Like, I'm just, I'm here. Like, I'm super cool. You're, like, up here. Right. Like, come down here and meet me. Because I'm way down here. Like, I'm super cool. I I don't, like, I, I'm just, I'm always. Now, there are times, as you know, that you go into a situation and you need to either exert your your authority. Yes. Um, you need to take control of a situation. You, you know, th- there is, there are times when. And I don't, I don't raise my voice in my personal life ever. Like I don't have a temper. I don't, I, I don't, I don't yell. Again, I'm a, I'm really a, as stoic as I can be in my philosophies in my personal life. Um, and that overwhelmingly, I try to guide my professional life um, now as much better than I was when I was younger. And I think we could probably both agree that when we both got out of the academy, oh, we were nowhere. I was. And I, I have a, I have a master's in leadership. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a cool thing to be a student of. Yes. No, I agree. Um, I, I love leadership. So it's, it's something that I'm always, and it's great because coming from Maricopa County to Pinal County, there is a gross difference in leadership and, um, being a student of that and looking at the things that Sheriff Lamb does in leadership is very different than what was up in Maricopa County and all that stuff. So it's, um, but being a stoic. And, um, you know, guiding myself in those 
in the way of of really having ultimate control of my emotions. Um, I'm not a super emotional guy to begin with, so it's really easy for me. But like, I don't, I don't. Anger isn't an emotion I have. Like, I don't. Very few people can um, can elicit that response, and they're only people in my very most inner circle, like best friend, right. family. That's it. Besides that, I don't. I just. I. I. I don't. I. I. I'm not angry. Like I don't. I don't have anger at all. Um, that was a thing that I never understood, and that I always did try to take into heart was that that person that you're pulling over on the side of the road, they are. They might have just learned that their child died. They might have just gotten into a fight with their spouse. Whatever the case is, but at the same time, I would. I would allow them to run their mouth. And I would just look at them and be like, well, look, dude, are you mad at that I you got caught or are you mad at me? You know what I'm saying? Yep. And 99% of the time, it's I'm just having a bad day, blah, 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 blah. And you just kind of let them spell. I get it. Now, the problem is, is that I did not live through and I'm not dealing with the evolution that you are and every law enforcement officer out there right now of everybody just shoving this thing in your face. Now, listen. I firmly believe in filming law enforcement. Doesn't bother me a bit. It doesn't bother. I think it's everybody's right, and I think it's everybody's yeah. should be allowed to do that. But there also needs to be a little bit of respect on both sides. And there is none. There's there are people that, and they call themselves First Amendment auditors, right? Which is that it's it's bullshit. That's a that is a bullshit title that you give yourself. Um, but the guys that are down here because they're they're just they're terrible humans. Okay, they are terrible humans. And what they're trying to do is elicit a negative response. Right, you're right, right. With the catalyst of negative terms and and cursing and all of this negative, negative, negative. And what they're looking for, which is awesome because I don't have that, is an an emotional response right. from someone, possibly someone younger in their career, that you know, and and they're looking for a response. That's that's great, man. But like, you know, lions don't worry about the opinions of sheep. Well, and, so. and I do agree with and I have seen some of those videos where the person is doing everything legally correct. And in my opinion, absolutely, there are the ones that are just instigating a fight. And I don't agree with that. But when you do have somebody who's clearly just making it, I'm talking about the respectful ones. I'm oh, talking I'm, about the ones I'm that great are, with that. Yeah. It, walk up. Here's my card. Hey, if you got any questions, I'll be back inside, man. You, yeah. you, you have a nice yeah, day. Do, do what you do, man. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Take a bit. your photos, and that that I respect in law enforcement that understands like we're a free society. Yeah. We're we're allowed to do those sorts of things. Yeah. I do not agree with uh, with instigating a fight. I do not agree yeah. with those people. And that's what's pushing happening. The buttons down here. And there's there's a video that that came out probably just a couple weeks ago. Of a guy, I'm on a traffic stop, and they're there, mfing me and yelling and screaming and and doing everything, trying to, which of course divides my attention. Now I have a subject in the car. So he was not related to the traffic stop. No. Okay. No, they they drive around and look for traffic stops and then harass cops. Um, So I'm on a traffic stop with someone, and luckily the person I was on traffic stop with was cool. I ended up giving them warning. It was it was nothing. It was during DUI task force, so I was looking for an impaired driver. They weren't impaired. I'm like, hey, have a great night. But while I'm there, they hit me with a spotlight and blind me while I'm standing at the person's door. And I immediately engage that person. So I'm like, look, man, you could stand here all you want. Do not shine a light in my face. You're going to go to jail. Like that is that is absolutely, I draw that line in the sand of you cannot blind me right. at night while I'm standing at the window of a car and think that that's your First Amendment right. 
That is not. That it's is not. not your right. Now, you could stand there and video me all day right. long. Right. You can respectfully ask me questions. I have no problem with that. I mean, I am. I mean, the position that the sheriff's office has created for me in this Fridays with Frank is I contact people <laughs> all the time. You're and, the face. Right. And, you know, and, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay. I've, I've agreed to take on that responsibility. But respectfully. Yeah, absolutely. And yelling and cursing and shining lights at me while I'm trying to do my job. Um, that is not your, you don't have a first amendment right to that. What kind of a human being does that though? Anyway, a terrible one. Yeah, just an, an absolute, asshole. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, like, I have other words too. Lots of adjectives, <laughs> lots of them. And it's just like, look again, if you are curious about the stop or whatever, what are you doing deputy? What's going on? You know, it's, it's not like, I totally would, fine with that. Even if I was confrontational with somebody, I, I still wouldn't be cursing at them or doing anything like that. Cause it's just not who I am as These a human guys being. Are, absolutely terrible and all they do is look to elicit some sort of emotional response and it's but the problem is those that too many young officers are eliciting an emotional response and i say young but that that's not necessarily the case sometimes it's just new right and and there's just you know and we all know emotion people that are more prone to having an emotional response than others absolutely um and i after going through my my leadership program and having been a sergeant at an mcso um, and Fridays with just the whole, the whole evolution of my career, I see myself as a better servant now than I was then. Like when I was, when I had two, three, four, five years on, right, right, I was right, a right. shitty servant okay. and I can, I understand I can, what you're saying. I can look back at myself, the young version of me and go, man, you had so much to learn. Oh, of course. But I've now I've I'm I mean I'm still learning I'm still I still deal with people I still use different verbiage and change how I interact with people looking for the the best possible way to articulate things to you know describe what's going on to contact people that have knowingly done something wrong um and I think I I think before I've started this this learning lesson of being more stoic and um I think I took like I I took things personally, I guess. Like, like you were going 100 miles an hour. You violated my laws. Right. You know, right. and and I, I think many, many years ago, I think I took that as like a personal slight. Like you had you, you'd done something yeah. to me personally. And I think the more that I've been in this job and the more mature that I've gotten and the, the more gray I've gotten. Right. Um, I think I've realized that just it's like and now I take I take nothing personal. Good. I mean, unless it's it is directly related right. to my family. Um, I just I don't like it doesn't it doesn't exist in my world. So it's like, yeah, man, you did something wrong. We're going to work through this as two dudes. We're going to work through this together and send you on your way. It doesn't you know. The hard part for a lot of the public and a lot of the ones screaming for police reform is the fact that. Again, I'm 100% for smart police reform, more training, more funding. You want better cops? You you lower that bar, you're going to get um, that lower standard. It's right now. Right now. We're dealing with it right now. It, it is, hey, we need more people. Well, well people don't want to. We have these, these requirements that are up here. Right. If we drop them down to here, we get all these extra people. Well, that's great. But you're not going to get better people no and not at all wants to like who wants this job isn't it's not 
what it used to be. I, and it's still great. It's still a fun job and it's incredibly rewarding. And it's, I mean, we do, we do such cool stuff and good work and, you know, put bad guys in jail, make good people feel safe. And right. we do such good stuff, but I mean, you could do anything and make more money. I mean, <laughs> you can I do anything. Don't, yes. I don't make, I don't make anything for money. Um, and I don't care because I just, I love this job. That's, I will admit that after having been out for five years and being involved in criminal justice reform and all that good stuff, your my mind does start to get tainted a little bit. And it does start going the way of the mass media until I'm like, what? no, that's not the way it is. And there are the good people out there. And it's just the fact that the bad ones are just... It's just on a loop. It's just on a loop of all the negative, of all the bad. And again, like yep. what happened in Memphis, it's just on a loop. It's just on yep. a loop. And that right there in and of itself, if you look at, if you dive into the background of those guys, two of them never should have been employed by the police department. I don't know of a single police officer that has ever said, oh, what they did was fine. No, what they oh. did was atrocious. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And and you see that there were multiple issues along the way that were never dealt with, but because of staffing shortages, you couldn't get rid of these people. Yep. You could have averted a national tragedy had there been more people to backfill that position that were of high standards, yep. that were of quality. Or those people wouldn't have been in there in the first place <sighs> right. if they would have adhered right. to the standards that were originally set. And that's, I think it's happening everywhere. Um, you know, it's just, it is, it's just the way society's going. And I mean, and from what I understand, there were protests in Atlanta about them building a police training facility. Yes, yes, so yes, like, yes. Yes. So you want you want cops to be trained better. Yes, cops need to be trained better. Hey, we're going to build this building to train cops better. No. Right. Like, hey, man, you can't speak out of both sides of your mouth and say that you want us to be trained better, which that's such a it's such a gross generalization. Right. Right. That it's people need society needs to be trained better. I do agree. Families need to train their need to train their kids better um this this is there is generational issues that have to deal with a lack of respect for police and kind of goes back to our topic before if you think i have done something wrong fighting with me on the side of the road is not going to wrong your right no it's not and now you are 100 in the wrong you are that's it like it's hey put your hands behind your back no okay <laughs> Like, and then I beat your ass on the side of the road because now we've gotten into a physical confrontation right. and now, you know, now you're looking at resisting arrest. You're looking at aggravated assault. You're looking at all of these things where it could have just been, hey, you're under arrest. Hey, man, I don't think you should be doing this, but right. um, we'll deal with this later. Put your hands behind your back. If I violated your rights, the county's going to cut you a check. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm good with that. I'm 100% good with that. But, hey, put your hands behind your back. No. That doesn't. That's not the time and place it's to not. decide because no officer ever in ever is going to go. Hey, you're under arrest. Put hands behind your back. Someone says no, and that cop's not going to go. Okay, like that's not the way law enforcement works. The problem is though is that because of the everybody that's so scared. I've seen videos of officers like bad guys just turn around and walking away. The officers at uh, you know at lethal coverage with them pointing their gun at them, and the person's like no piss off and then walks away and the officer's like, well, I'm by myself and I can't really do anything. So, okay. 
Yep. And I and I just don't understand that mentality, especially if if there's a crime. Now, when it comes to drug laws, that I'm in a whole different world now. I'm in a whole different world now regarding drug laws. But if you got an assault victim, you, if you have a victim of a crime, and you have a suspect who has allegedly committed that crime, why are we allowing these people to to go away, to walk away, I, to you, to be free? You watch videos of people dumping buckets of water on cops, yeah. and I'll tell you right now. That and I, you know, my dad's still in New York, so he he sees the local news there, and I'm like, I'm telling you right now, that doesn't happen here. No, it does not. That in anywhere in Arizona, you know, try that with someone in Phoenix PD. Try dumping a bucket of water on someone in Phoenix PD and see what happens to you. See what happens to you in the Pinal County Sheriff's Office. See what happens to you with a trooper. No, that I'm telling you right now, you're in jail. You're in jail for assault. You're in jail for aggravated assault because it's on a law enforcement officer. And what kind of an asshole does that? I it's and look look at. But look at the videos that are out there. It's, um, you know, and I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I, but, but again, Arizona, we're, things are great here because we have great laws. We have, depending on jurisdiction, pretty decent prosecutors that are prosecuting cases against us as victims. So it allows us to aggressively, like, you don't get to put your hands on me. That's, you, you don't you don't get to. You also have prosecutors that are going after dirty cops. Yep. Which oh, is good. Absolutely. No, and I've, I've seen it. I've seen the meme a hundred times, and I agree with it every time I see it. No one hates bad cops more than good cops. Exactly. Because it makes us all look bad. And it's, and it's, we're the only occupation that does that. Like, you have a... You have an anesthesiologist that puts people under and does naughty things to them when they're under. When that person gets prosecuted, all anesthesiologists aren't blown up on the national news, international news about this is what anesthesiologists do. Because it's not what all anesthesiologists do. It's what one creep did. Right. And when a teacher, guy or girl, does something inappropriate with student, guy or girl, all, all teachers nationwide aren't knocked off their pedestal of, right. hey, you're doing great things by teaching our kids, and typically for pretty terrible pay. Right, right. We don't, we don't put them up there and say, look, all teachers are bad, and every teacher's a pedophile, and we don't do that. We don't do it for any, absolutely, you go to a bartender, and a bartender makes you a terrible drink. <laughs> you don't say all bartenders are terrible, but one cop does something, and that is it. That's it. It is everyone is labeled and we're all racist and we're all, we all use excessive use of force and uh, like you, Off of you, one encounter. Right. You paint us with that broad brush as this one occupation. But look at all the other occupations that do things and note that each one of those is in a case by case basis. One cop does something and now I'm, you know, I'm 4,000 miles away. <laughs> And I'm the bad guy. And you're the bad guy. And I'm, I, it's just, it's a crazy thing. And I don't, and no one, no one wants to delineate that from anything else with this, this occupation. The, the problem in my perspective is that it's a misperception by the public. It's 99, see if you would agree with me on this, 90 to 95% of a person's interaction with a law enforcement officer is a traffic violation. Okay. That's that's most of everybody's. So they're already in the wrong. That officer is coming at them. Now, again, I've been accused. I was accused of being racist, uh, which was hilarious because my 
my five foot three Hispanic sergeant who loved me jumped up on the commander's desk and says, you don't ever accuse him of being racist ever again because he's not. So I love that man. Rudy, hey. Rudy Lujan, who is a, oh, uh, you know, yeah, Rudy. yeah, I know, yeah you know absolutely. Rudy. I know, you know, Rudy. absolutely. And he's a judge. Yep. Down south. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. One of the greatest guys on the yep. planet. If you ever run awesome. into him, you tell him I said hello. Absolutely. And, um, but it's a mis- misperception because that officer again, now, did that officer maybe just pull a dead baby out of a car? Possibly. Did they just, you know, treat... We're humans. Right. And it's the sort of thing where the officer might have come across sideways. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. And that person might have also come across sideways. Okay, that's fair. So that person's getting caught doing something stupid, and now that cop's an asshole. Yep. I've absolutely, positively lost my temper. Not in a, not in a, I'm going to beat the shit out of you kind of way, but in a, I'm not going to speak as respectfully to you as I should. Yep. I think every officer is guilty of that. I, we all have our absolutely. moments. And that unfortunately taints the public mind. Like, oh, they're all assholes. It's like, you know what though? This is where it comes down to though. Expectation versus reality. You know, the expectation is that you're going to be hundred percent professional, hundred percent of the time. And you should always try to be, absolutely. but you don't know what you're coming off of. And, and I'm going to assume, again, you've said wonderful things about the leadership, but like my previous leadership would not have cared if I said, I'm having a problem right now. I wouldn't have been given that time to decompress. See, and I bet you, I bet you that was more cultural Yes, and that I think, I think nationally now. Now, 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 yeah, not, not then, not five years ago, but I think, I think we're getting better at saying, Hey, we like, we're, I think we're acknowledging vulnerability and that's super important because we're all humans yes. and we're all vulnerable to one thing and something that might affect me might not affect you at all. Agreed. Um, and vice versa. Agreed. You know, I, I don't have any kids. Um, I never thought anything having you know, issues with kids, anything would bother me. I remember right now sitting here, I remember the first person I ever did CPR on when I was a very, very young deputy was a nine-year-old that was a, a drowning victim. And it it bothered me, and it took me by surprise how much it bothered yep. me. I mean, I thought about it day and night for weeks. And I remember telling my sergeant, now this is in the early 2000s, I remember telling my sergeant, hey, I'm not like, this has been on my mind. And he was cool. He's kind of an older guy. And he was like, well, look, you want to talk to someone about it? I'm like, look, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with it. Again, great family support. I'm like, but I just want to let you know it's it's bothering me. And it bothered me less and less and less yeah. and less. And I kind of dealt with it over time. But it caught me by surprise that in my the moments when I was mindless, like when I was just sitting there and I really wasn't thinking about anything, that that's where I would go. Yep. And I was like, man. This is bad, yep. you know, and it's, and it, it just, it diminished over time. And I think I just, I kind of, and I talked about it with my family and, um, cause I have nieces and nephews that I have a lot, most of them are back East and, um, some are here in Arizona. And, and I was like, you know, it, it kind of, I, I equated that just like guys with, with kids equate that to their kids. Well, I just equated it to my nieces and nephews and it caught me by surprise. And I think because I wasn't prepared for it is why it bothered me is cause I never thought it would bother me. I got into a shooting a couple of years ago. Didn't bother me a bit, but I had been on the job for eighteen right, years. Right. I had been a, a SWAT cop for I don't know ten years at that point. Um, so it, when I went to the the psychologist, because you have to when you get into a, a police shooting, you have to go for a fit for duty for those listening. 
Um, and you have to talk to a psychologist and they need to make sure that you're okay. Um, well, I went to the psychologist and I was like, I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. Understood. And it, it was it was a weird feeling because I had always been told when you get into a shooting, this is how you're going to feel. You're going to feel this. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that at all. I didn't feel that one iota. That was a, the shooting was 100% good. I, everything about it was good. And um, and I knew that. I knew it when I pulled the trigger. It bothered me a bit. And I told the doc, I said, look, I, I feel it bothers it bothers me right. that it doesn't bother me. Right. And, um, and he goes, hell, I've well, been a cop for. You know, at the time it was uh, some 18, 19 years. And uh, he goes, how long have you been on SWAT for? I'm like, I've been on SWAT since, you know, 09, 10, somewhere in there. He goes, so you've thought about getting in a shooting before. Mm-hmm. Mike, yeah. Did you, you point your gun at before? Yeah. Well, again, lots of people. Thousands of times. Lots of people. He goes, you've come, I'm sure you've come close to shooting people before that you didn't. I said, a ton. There's a ton of people that had no idea how close right. that they were. Right. Um, he goes, your mind's already made up that you're going to be okay. That you're, that what you're going to do, if you do that, this is what's going to happen. Right. He goes, you've already mentally prepared yourself over years for this to happen. The fact that it happened is just like, it's old news already. Your psyche has already become accustomed to, you're going to make the right decision. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be good. And, and that's how I felt. And I sitting in that chair, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Oh, I guess I'm not abnormal. I guess I'm not a psychopath. Cool. I guess I'll go back to work now. Now back to work. And it, it's never bothered me. Um, but there are guys, I know, I know guys that have gotten into shootings and that's the end of their career. That's it. They're done. That's it. And it's, and for whatever reason, and, and good shoots. I mean, not that, you right. know, you're not letting a stray bullet go across the playground and, and kill someone you didn't intend to. I mean, like bad guy doing bad things, going to hurt or kill someone, take action and your brain just doesn't, you know, something happens and everyone's different. Well, that's the way interactions with cops are is everyone's different. And things that, like you said, things that, one person might say to me, doesn't bother me a bit, screw you right into the roof. That was the surprising thing for me about when the issue that I dealt with and one of the things that I investigated that I was not involved in the shooting. I investigated the shooting and it was just all of the circumstances and the video I had to watch over and over and over and over and over again and the audio I had to listen to over and over again. It did scramble my brains and it absolutely did bother me, which led me down a path of of just self-destruction. That was the whole, uh, I don't worry about my relationship or anything like that. I'm king dingling at work. And it was the sort of thing though where, again, and I'm speaking ill of my previous department, there was zero decompression. There was zero, hey, are you okay? There was zero mental health support in any way, shape, or form, which wow. I still have. Zero. Zero. And I was part of special investigation. I was SIU, yeah. which is we were the ones that get called when a cop's had a really bad day. Yeah. We were the ones that went and did the investigation. We were the for like we were not internal affairs. Yeah. But we were No, the, you were the shoot team. Yes. You were the you were the team that went and investigated shootings. Yes. Yeah. It's we, terrible. It's it, a terrible job. It was I don't want it. In, in, and the other part that I did, it was child crimes. So (laughs) an even worse job, the the worst. Yeah. And that was the sort of thing, though, where my my favorite part of my entire career was sitting down and interviewing a police officer who had been involved in a shooting. That was absolutely my favorite. Really? Because 100 percent because I pushed him. 
I would push him. I would say, so you got that call and you knew he was armed, right? Yeah. So you wanted to kill him, right? No, because I needed to elicit their perfect answer. Their response. Yep. That's the perfect answer. Yes. No, I don't want to kill anyone. Right. I don't want to kill that guy I killed. There's only one time in the, and so, and I was in SIU for about two years and I interviewed probably 10 to 12 officers that had been involved in a shoot. Every single one of them, except for one, had cried. Because, and again, it, every single person responds differently, just like you were saying, but the overwhelming emotional response was they did not want to pull the trigger. Absolutely not. They did not want to pull the trigger at all. Nope. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't know anyone that does. I don't know. I mean, I have looked, looked at people through the crosshairs of my sniper rifle, like, yep, this has to happen. It's got to happen. But man, I don't want it to, I don't, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to. You know, it's, it's, it is something you have to live with. Right. And, um, it's, it, it's terrible, man. It's, I mean, I, the sequence of events after that and the investigation, the interviews and, you know, you, you have days off to decompress and, you know, it's, I, again, and I, I say it from the mountaintop, um, I got into my shooting, um, not 20 minutes later, the sheriff called me and my phone rings. I don't have the sheriff's number on my phone. <laughs> Answer it. And he was, hey, heard you got into a shooting. Yes, sir. How are you? Uh, well, I think I'm good, sir. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, not hit. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm right. standing here talking to you, so things are things are okay. Um, he goes, this is my number. Anything you need, any resource you need, you call me. I'll make it happen. Whatever you need. Okay. Chief Thomas was the second call I got. Hey, how are you? Oh, sir, I'm okay. What do you need? I've got, um, you know, and by then, everyone, you know, the whole world right, is there. Right. So I said, I, I got everything I need here, resources, you know, I, I got everything. My my sergeant's here. My friends are here. I'm, I'm okay. I'm just kind of sitting here away from the scene waiting to see what happens. Right. That's the nerve-wracking part, it's though. crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. like, hey, I need a lawyer. I, right. uh, hey, union guy and, you know, all the stuff. And and Chief Thomas said the same thing. Anything you need, whatever you need, you let me know. That's awesome. So months later, um, I just happened to be at headquarters, and Chief Thomas calls me into his office. And um, he goes, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm great. I work for PCSO. Great. <laughs> um, and he goes, have, have you, has, has anything bothered you about the investigation and your shooting? This is why I love Matt. Oh, this is Chief Thomas. This rock, is why I love rock star dude. Because, and what he shared with me is that he had been involved in some kind of significant incidences earlier on in his career. And he didn't very similar to your story. He didn't have the backing that I got. So I'm looking at this like, you guys are awesome. Like, I've got support everywhere. I could call anyone and say, hey, I'm having a bad day. Hey, can I talk to you? Hey, I need someone to talk to. Hey, I need a professional to talk to. No. I need days off. I need whatever. Whatever I needed, I felt like I could go to my sergeant. I could go to my lieutenant. I could go to anyone and say whatever it is I needed to say. Hey, I'm, I'm having some trouble. Hey, I don't want to carry my gun anymore. Hey, I don't want to go shooting. Hey, I don't, you know, hey, I, you know, I went shooting, I shit my pants. Right. You know, I whatever that that response is, because again, everyone deals with it differently, but I felt incredibly comfortable with this agency that if I had a need, that they would take care of it. And that's that, an incredible feeling. That feeling is unbelievable. And I would I had only been on 
here for maybe two or three years. Okay. So I'm still relatively new and still um, kind of getting used to the culture mm-hmm. here within mm-hmm. the Pinal County Sheriff's Office. Um, and I remember thinking, thank God this didn't happen with MCSO. Yeah. Um, and it just, I, the, the culture change there and they're under, um, the federal monitorship. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a whole bunch of other consent variables. Decree, yeah. Consent that decree and all that stuff. So there's a whole bunch of other stuff there. Um, but I, I remember thinking I, I couldn't have been better taken care of and they didn't owe me anything. I'm a relatively new guy. Um, you know, I'm kind of a kind of an old guy in a young man's game. Understood. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know anyone. I'm not a you know, I'm not it's not a good old boys club. Right. I'm not from Pinal County. I don't have family here. I'm I'm a total outsider <laughs> that just came here to work. And uh, they they couldn't have made me feel more like I was a member of this family. And I will for as long as I live, I will never forget that that feeling of I'm gonna be okay. And if I need help, I'm still gonna be okay. I'm just gonna just gonna get some I'm help. Just get some help. Yep. And I think within law enforcement, more and more, and I think because we piggyback so much off of the military, and I think in the military they are starting to exchanging more and yes. more be open with, hey, I've got some problems. I yep. need to talk to someone. And that's fine. Like talk to someone, work through your problems. Don't bottle them up because you're going to go crazy. Um, it's and, gonna affect and manifest in ways that you just don't understand and right. don't comprehend. Yep. I said I when Chief Deputy Thomas sat in that chair. I mean, he looked at me and says, "Yeah." He says, "I see a counselor." Like he admitted that on my show. It's like <clears throat> saying that just as a law enforcement officer now was it was taboo ten years ago, five years ago. Yep, absolutely, one hundred percent taboo. You couldn't say that. You were a kook. Yep. You are crazy. You shouldn't be carrying a shouldn't gun. Shouldn't be carrying a gun. Yep. And now and, for him to sit here and, again, to admit yeah. that openly to his people, to his guys, to say, yeah, yeah, that's maturity and that's amazing. That's I And, again, I'm you want to talk about the sign of, of great leadership is being vulnerable at the appropriate time. Amen. And that's being vulnerable. I mean, it just is. It's, you know, he took that little part of his personal life and said, hey, I'm going to put this out on the table for everyone to see. I'm not ashamed of it. And he shouldn't be. No, not and at all. And it almost sets a it sets a great precedent of you can be a leader in an, one of the top, if not the top, law enforcement agency in the entire state, and you could talk to someone about shit that bothers you, and it's okay, you know, because he's a he's an old time SWAT guy. Yeah, he's a, yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a SWAT dude. He's been around the block, and which is awesome because he and I speak the same language. He's a SWAT dude. He was a traffic sergeant. He's a motor. Um, you know, he wears double wings, which is, you know, it's it's pretty impressive to wear your SWAT wings. Yep. And which is that, and then also your motor wings. Um, arguably two of the of the toughest courses to go through in law enforcement. Agreed. He's got both of them. Um, and it's not there's not a whole lot of guys that that rock double wings. So it's if if you've done it, you've you've been around. Most of the traffic guys don't like the the hut hut SWAT no, stuff. It's like no. it's like two separate worlds when I, it comes to law enforcement. It is. It's a huge topic of conversation within yeah. my squad because I love that. Now I'm not a motor. I I am in the traffic unit, but I am a four wheel guy. So the <laughs> the motors call me a cager. Yeah, yeah, which uh, is a term I've never I never knew until I came to the to the traffic unit, and they're like, "Oh, you're a cager," and I'm like, "A what?" <laughs> and then it was explained to me, and I was like, "Okay." 
See what you did there. See what you did there, guy, with your little scooter and your little helmet. Um, <laughs> and you got your boots. And you, yeah, your tall boots on. So, uh, but we we very lovingly brag on each other pretty consistently with that. But if you if you you have double wings, you're you know there's not not a whole lot you're afraid of, right? Because right. I'm I am afraid of hurting myself on a bike. <laughs> I, I I used to ride, and the entire reason I do, I sold my bike in 2009. Um, the reason I didn't ride anymore is because of having been a trooper. And responding to multiple collisions where the per- the rider was doing everything correctly. Everything right. Not, didn't do a single thing wrong. Yep. And, you know, you're in a wreck. That would be fine if you were in a cage, safe, <laughs> with cup holders and air conditioning. Um, you know, and you get into a wreck with a bike. And now you don't walk right anymore. Or you're dead. Right. The One of the most tragic accidents I ever took. Uh, dude was getting onto the freeway from um, I-10 and 32nd Street and heading eastbound on the I-10. He had just left the University of Phoenix where he was working. And somehow a car clipped his rear tire. It, it was trying to dive bomb across an exit at 40th Street. Clipped his rear tire, so it sent him into a tank slapper. And then that car overcorrected and somehow passed him and then came to a stop in front of him. And then so he got hit by the car. and then That he, hit him. And that hit him. And then, and then he, he hit it. Then he T-boned the car. <sighs> And went up and over it, and then that person fled the scene, yeah, and course. that and that guy. I mean, he was like a late twenties, early thirties kid, and paralyzed from the neck down from that moment on. And he had the boots, the jacket, the helmet, yep. the every he had. And everything wasn't doing on. anything wrong, nothing. just getting on the freeway. Yep, just and cruising on down the road. Yep. And if that would have been a car, would have been nothing. Nothing. He probably would have pitted him. Yep. He caught him on the rear end. Yep. So he pits him. That's great. And uh, that's it. You spin out. You change a tire and take a police report, and away you go. Walking, yeah, yeah, and um, and maybe that's, you have a bumper that got ripped off, yeah, and that was it. And that's and that's kind of my big thing is I'm like, look, I don't I don't bounce off the pavement real well. I got ran over in 2010, Oof. um, so I don't I don't bounce real well anymore. And uh, and we're older too. And <laughs> shit breaks. <laughs> we're not and we're not young anymore. Yeah, no. And I've, now I've got a back surgery under my yep. belt. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not like you know physically could I? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm strong enough to lift a bike, and I I have some occasional athletic tendencies like I'm, I'm fairly sure I can make it through motor school and I've got great instructors I mean it, P- PCSO has three fantastic motor instructors and each one of them is like man I'll get you through motor school nice. and I'm like thanks for the offer I'm good I'm thanks good. for the offer I can get in my cage and uh drink my coffee from my cup <laughs> and set my cup hold and yes, set my coffee down just like that yep so it's uh yeah so I so motors is is something that I'm not but I'm I, and I, I acknowledge I'm, I'm afraid of it. I don't I don't want to get into an accident that's going to change the rest of no. my life for this job. Like I don't get a I don't get a bonus for being on a bike. Right. Like, you know, right. I don't get a they're like, oh, you see so much more and you can write so many tickets. I'm like, I don't get a bonus if I write tickets. <laughs> no one cares. I write 100 tickets and give 100 warnings. No one cares. So why am I? The risk is up here. The reward Agreed. is nothing except like. I get to wear shiny boots and drive around a scooter. <laughs> you know, I just, it, it doesn't do anything for me. That's but, funny. But it is, yeah, that's that's one of the things. And especially being, because the, you know, the motto of the traffic unit is motor wings. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. So I wear that because I'm in the traffic unit, but I am not, and I'm first one to say, I'm like, look, man, I, I'm not a motor. I want no I'm part of being a motor. Not a motor. They also surgically remove your heart when you get on the motorcycle. I have heard that. Yeah, kickstand down, pen comes out. It does. That's it. You're so, done. Yeah, it's not my thing. I wanted to ask you about one more thing. Yeah. Because we've been talking for two and a half hours. Really? I swear to God. Good God. I know. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, it's one o'clock. Yeah. 
So and I know you got you got yeah, to I've, I've, got, I've got traffic court actually. Um have you ran into what what is going on in Arizona specifically regarding having weed and a gun? Have you ran into that situation? Oh, yeah. Yep. And what is happening with that? I don't think anything's happening with it. I, I mean, you I don't think it's um I think because um cuz marijuana is I just ran into it, just ran into it very recently. Um, and we did not prosecute it because it is, I think it, at least it was interpreted by those of us that were there, that the spirit of the law is illicit drug, is illicit drug in a gun. Right. So like meth in a gun, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock oh, and roll on that. 100%. You know, fentanyl, heroin, you know, um, but marijuana, because it is legal to possess, I... You're not... It's not misconduct involving a weapon. Right. So, and that's, so that is my interpretation of it. Is that what Pinnell County is doing? That, at least in, in the small circle okay. that, that I run with, yes. Okay. Yeah, for, for weed, um, at least that I, I don't think we've had an official, like, hey, this no is bulletin the, or anything coming this out. is the bulletin, this is the policy, but I think it's, well, if you have weed and it's legal and you are not a prohibited possessor and you have a gun that is legal, you have two legal things that are together. Like this is refreshing to hear. Well, but I mean, it's 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 a very logical stance Agreed. to take on that. Agreed. So if I think if we can, and again, you know, there's letter of the law and spirit of the law. Um, I feel like that's the spirit of the law. Is I don't want someone high on meth driving around no. with a gun. No. But if someone is on their way back, they went to Ted's shooting range. And they shot, and they're they're there at the range, and they're doing everything right, and you know, gun in their car, stop the dispensary on the way home, get your weed. You're headed home to bake a pizza and bake yourself. Um, <laughs> like I and, and I stop that guy. Like that guy becomes a felon, right? I I don't I don't feel like that is what that law was intended for. Now you are sawing the catalytic converter out from underneath <laughs> my car because you're a meth using tweaker and you have a gun stuffed in the back of your pants. We're talking about a different yeah, thing. That's a whole different now, world. Now we're going to, yeah, but remember there's no medical purposes yes, for meth. There's no medical meth. So, um, <laughs> so I think that's what the spirit of the law is. And I think the spirit of the law is illegal drugs and doing illegal things. And if you're allowed per the state to be in possession of marijuana, now, if you're, if you can't, like let's say you're a kid, right? Well, now it's different. Now you can't have this firearm, and you can't legally possess marijuana without a medical marijuana card. You're 20 years old. You can legally have a gun, but you can't legally have marijuana. And you know, so so there's there's all little variables that that change that scenario. But you are a mature adult, and you are legally carrying a gun because we are a constitutional carry state. Amen. And you are legally possessing marijuana, which the state of Arizona has said, hey, in stark opposition to the federal government that still has it as a Schedule One drug, we're going to make this legal here. Um, <laughs> if it's legal and it's legal, I, I don't know how we say someone's doing something wrong. Right. I don't, I, I mean, I have a hard time doing that. That's, that's a, and again, I don't think that they have changed Title 13 or, or Arizona criminal law about that. But man, you'd, you can, you can do it. I've had conversations. So I have actually gotten phone calls because I'm in the weed world. Yeah. I stay up on all the weed yeah. laws. Um, I've gotten phone calls from former coworkers of mine saying, and he, he became a sergeant and he, he's like, I, my guy's got a 
guy with a gun and weed in the car. I'm like going, okay, so let's break down the law. And on and I pulled out my old yep. my old yeah old title my, thirteen my old yep. book. It's around here somewhere, and been like, well, first of all, it's not if he's not a prohibited possessor and he's now legal to carry. Like, what's legal to carry weed? You know, he's 25 years old. Like, what's the problem? Right. Why is why are you taking two <laughs> right. legal things and saying we're well, doing this right and you're doing this right? It's wrong. Right. Like I just I. So I think you, I think you could logic your way through that, but but you do know that there are some that'll push the limits. I absolutely do. I a hundred percent do. There's and some officers that'll that'll want to push that limit because they've got a vendetta against either weed or the right. gun. Yeah, or they're in an agency that really pushes stats, yeah. and they're looking at that felony. Like, and yet again, let me let me, let me get on the mountain of <laughs> Pinal County's awesome. Um, we really don't care about stats here. Um, and it is it is great because I my my very best friend works for an agency up in the valley. He's a commander, um, and his agency is all about stats, checking stat sheets and dailies. And you got to fill this form out, fill that form out. We want to know where all your your spare time is, and why aren't you doing traffic stops? And have you written a parking ticket this month? And all this stupid, absolutely stupid administrative yep. bureaucratic BS. And down here, as, as I tell people, as long as you're doing something, you can do anything. So I'm a traffic guy. I like doing traffic. Um, there are deputies that don't love traffic. Right. Lots of, there's lots of cops that don't love right. traffic. Um, you know, and maybe they're, maybe they're a dope guy. Yep. And they're sitting and watching a dope house. And they're not doing traffic stops and they're not writing civil traffic tickets and they're not writing parking tickets, but they're waiting to do a takeaway from a house that's a known dope house where they're selling fentanyl and meth. And that guy for the month has five awesome felony arrests for bad people that are either buying drugs or selling drugs, transporting drugs, doing bad things. And he just didn't get around to writing a civil parking ticket. (laughs) You know, uh, are we are we hammering that guy? Because then with some that guy, agencies do a, a lot of agencies do, nope. and I I can't more adamantly disagree with that. Good, um, because what it does is it makes people go out and I need a civil citation, I need a misdemeanor arrest. So you end up writing a ticket for someone for bullshit. N- you know, knowingly possessing a suspended driver's license because class three misdemeanor, and you're like, I got my misdemeanor arrest. For something that any of the rest of us are like, I'm going to take that because <laughs> you can't have it. Have a great day. Have Goodbye. a nice day. Yeah. You know, so you, I think requiring that cops maintain those stats is, it's it's not a quota because they're not saying you have to write so many. They just want you to write at least one. I So I have still have the paperwork. I, I, I'm a, I was a dope guy. But I was a criminal interdiction, so I was a trooper in the patrol car. I'm, and I, I know yeah. you know this. I'm yeah. not explaining this yep. for you. I'm explaining yeah, this for everybody else. Yep. That I was a trooper in the patrol car, but I didn't give a flying F about the traffic violations. I only used the traffic violations to, to get the into car. the car. Yep, that's it. And that's what ASU guys do also. They are they are looking for traffic violations. Right. They are not writing tickets. No. Like, they're not like, 
Oh, oh, 701A, you, uh, you're 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, sir. Like, the, our guys aren't, they're looking for interdiction, interdiction stuff. They're not worried about that. Right. And so, and that was the thing, though, was that when I went to days, I was switched from nights and with under Rudy uh, Rudy Lujan. Yep. And then like, we had a couple sergeants after that. But then I went to days, and then the days guys were like, just respond to accidents and don't do anything. Well, I was running amok out on I-10 and Riggs Road and calling everybody down there because we're chasing people and all that good stuff. And my supervisor at the time, who I did not like, yeah. uh, he put me on. He says, you're not allowed to go onto I-10 until you've written 20 traffic tickets. Not tickets, 20 traffic yeah. stops. Yeah, yeah, so you, you had 20 tickets contacts. Or warning. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so you, so I had, I had the most amount of felony arrests on, the, on my day squad, but you were now preventing me from going and stopping human trafficking. Drug smuggling, yep. you know, all of the, all, the all big the, time all crimes. All the big things. Yeah. yeah. Getting people's trucks back because, you know, the trucks go east, the, the Ford F-250s, the Chevy or yep, 2500s and yep. the Dodge 2500s all go eastbound. Yep. It's like, so, and it's on us, and I work Sundays, which was one of the biggest interdiction sure, days. They're stealing them on Saturdays right? and bringing them down. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what I did. It's like, but now you're preventing me from doing this. So all of those people whose trucks are now going eastbound are not going to get their vehicles back that I could have stopped yep. because you wanted me to pull over grandma for doing five miles an hour over the limit. So it did get petty. Yep. It did get petty oh, yeah. with me as well. Yep. And, and it was warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. Then I would go out and do. But I just I I, I can't. And a lot of those agencies that do that are like, well, we need to we need to make sure that our guys are being productive. That is a line level supervisor <laughs> that, job. Amen. That is a sergeant's job to be like, what are you doing? They don't need to fill out a piece of paper. Listen to the radio. Right. Like it, this is so I so I, I disagree with that, and I think it's something great that Pinal County does is we don't keep stats. I keep stats in the traffic That's unit. That's amazing. Yeah, we don't. We do not keep stats. That's amazing. Um, in the traffic unit, we do because we do so much grant funded stuff. So, uh, so we're different. You have to show that you're working. Well, I the government, it. the government yes. wants to know where their money's going. Yes, the governor's office of highway safety yeah. and all that stuff. So I'm so I'm good with that. Like that's it. It doesn't bother me. I keep a stat sheet for traffic in response to everything traffic I do, but they don't care how many, you know, if I, there's a shoplifting and I'm right around the corner and I go to it, I make an arrest. No one cares. Right. No one cares. <laughs> Not one person anywhere. Care. And if you are a regular patrol deputy within the Pinal County Sheriff's office and you do 10 traffic stops and you give 10 people warnings, no one cares. If you write 10 tickets, no one cares. You make a hundred traffic stops. No one cares. Warnings, citations, arrests, no one cares. Just work. Just do something. Just work. Just go out and talk to people and put bad guys in jail, make good people feel safe. It's I've said it, I said it as a sergeant. I say it every day. That's what we do. And you don't have to write tickets to do that. You don't have to arrest people to do that. You you just be out there and contact people and investigate go to your calls for service and good do good investigations. And so that's really one of the things that that I think is um, is one of the many things I think is great about this is we're not worried about that. That's awesome. We're, we're not worried about hey, you have to go and find somewhere in Santan Valley today and go write a parking ticket. Like there are better things to do, <laughs> right? So let's do those. And if you have someone that loves dope and wants to run dope, then and that person's getting great felony arrests, but God, they just haven't. You know, they just haven't done a traffic stop this week. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, they're dealing with drug dealers. Right. Like, uh, let me do the traffic stops. That's my job. And if you don't find anybody that has good weed, if they, any of your guys find a house with some good weed, let me know about that yeah, shit. Yeah, okay, man. Go talk <laughs> to this guy. Just kidding. 
So that's it, man. I going? cannot thank you enough. You have given me literally two hours and 37 minutes of your time, and I would love to continue this conversation. I, we, we could continue this yes. conversation. I'd love to have it's, you come on again. Absolutely. I'd love to. And, again, this is this is all thanks to our command staff. You know, Chief Thomas gave me this, the okay to, hey, do it on duty, sign That's off. That's amazing. I can't thank him enough for that. It's, this, is, it's, this is community outreach. This is just like Fridays with Frank. It's, this is just a different way to come out and reach the community and say, look, man, we're cool dudes. And you were specially requested by the stoner community, which is awesome. <laughs> See, we all love drugs, right? So, um, but I like, I, I like that. And I like, and like the feedback and, and everything people send Facebook messages to the, the sheriff's office all the time about, you know, Fridays with Frank, good and bad, but they forward the, the majority of the good ones to me can probably take out some <laughs> of the bad ones. Um, but it's all, it's all community outreach and, and how we interact with people here. Had, you know, it reflects on how people deal with Surprise PD and Buckeye PD and Mesa PD. This is exactly the message I've tried to get to the other law enforcement agencies. But like, and but and I, I think that the big hurdle for, for me in this podcast was the fact that, again, with Chief Thomas coming on and understanding um, this is not an I gotcha. This is not a I hate cops moment. This no. Is a, let's bridge the yeah. gap and talk and yeah. have conversation and explain things. And not having those contacts with other law enforcement agencies has, has hindered yeah. me. So I'm the hoping cool thing to. Is you can get some feedback. That's Get some questions for. from people that watch this. Okay, ask them about this. And I can come back on and answer some questions. I'd I'm love totally, to have you come I'm back totally on. good with that. And I bet that I would imagine the chief would be okay with that. Oh, 100%. Also. Cool. So well, thank you so much, man. Absolutely, I appreciate man. it. It's my pleasure. Turn all this crap off. Very here, cool. So.